0: Hey everybody, welcome to Video Night. This episode we're discussing the 25th anniversaries of two great baseball classics uh, for kids, for the whole family, for everybody. The Sandlot and uh, Rookie of the Year. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest Mindy is joining me over on the other side of this giant speaker. Hello. <laughs> okay, I was like up to 10. You're on like level 2, so we're, we're evening it out. I'm sorry. Like, That's okay. I was a little too big. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, so I hadn't seen these movies in a very, very long time. And I, I feel like I've seen uh, Sandlot more than Rookie of the Year. So a lot of the stuff oh, did yeah. seem unfamiliar to me. But Rookie of the Year... Wait, did I say it backwards? I've seen Sandlot more than Rookie of the Year. But I feel like they're yeah, really that's what
1: you
0: said, huh? really pivotal films uh, for us growing up. Mind you, I was a little bit older. Yeah. I was 16 when these came out. But I still really enjoyed them.
2: Yeah, um... I'm surprised. Yeah, I definitely saw lot way more, um, but I was surprised at how many like, like how many things I could quote. Like, you know, as it was happening, I was like, oh yes, from Rookie of the Year, even though I hadn't seen it for a very long time. Like, oh yes, I could still like say all the you know, a lot of the lines and stuff. Yeah. So it was still ingrained in me somewhere.
0: I, I on a regular basis I will say Funky Butt loving.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
0: (laughs) Well, they played in the trailer over and over.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I mean, honestly, one, I had a little trouble get getting a hold of that movie, and two, like I really had not seen it in a really long time. Um, I mean, I remembered like the basic concept, of course, and most of the actors and things like that, but. Gosh, I forgot, like, how just absurd, like, Daniel Stern's character was, and, uh, you know, just, man, he was, he was kind of an annoying little kid, too. Yeah,
0: okay, so here's the thing that I have with this movie, which I looked up Wikipedia, I was shocked to discover this is a remake of a movie, um, where is is it? it? Yeah, it's, and the concept is even crazier, um, it's for like an old. Hmm. Uh, let me find it on Wikipedia because uh, I was looking up the other day when I and I saw the movie and I was like, "What the fuck?" That makes no sense. Um, so it's a kid who loves baseball so much that he grows a yeah. bump on his arm, and uh, that that bump gives him special powers. Why can't I find uh... it here? It's, I, it was on the Wikipedia page the other day when I was looking, and I I clicked on it. And now it's not showing. It's as if they were that ashamed. Is... Oh, there it is. Um,
2: That's bizarre.
0: It is a remake of the 1954 movie Ruggie's Bump. Ruggie's Bump, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just literally he gets a bump on his arm that makes him an amazing pitcher, and uh, had real baseball players in it. No names that I know of as an actor. You know, uh, so it's kind of uh-huh. funny that they would want to remake this of all things. I mean, I don't think it was a hit. Um,
2: Okay, so it's a kind of a a terrible concept. I mean, at least the the initial it's part, of it, like how he gets, yeah, like yeah, and then and then the name is so terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, that I mean, couldn't that be a porn name?
0: Uh, well, oh well, maybe. <laughs> I
2: mean, it's a little questionable, yeah. honestly. What year did the movie come out? Nineteen fifty-four. Hmm. Does it say anything about, like, Daniel Stern, like, being a fan of this movie? And no, and I thought
0: I thought maybe that Eddie Bracken, you know, how he's in the, the 94 version, I thought maybe he was in the original, and that was, a, you know, kind of a connection mm-hmm. to the two movies, because they do that a lot now. Well, it's barely even a movie. It's 70 minutes long. Oh, my gosh. That's, hmm. like, barely an episode of television. Uh, yeah, absolutely no names that I recognize here, so it must have be been just one of those... Uh, one of those movies where I think they were doing it as a tax write-off, there's no way that it would have been a hit. Hmm,
2: that's interesting. Yeah. But And also very strange. Yeah. So, Daniel Stern directed this movie, and it is, in fact, is it still the only movie he's ever directed? You know, for years, no. I, mean,
0: well, he- I was convinced that he directed Bushwhacked. I was so certain, because it has the same flavor. Oh. And no, it isn't. It's a completely different director. Uh, Yeah, it is the only movie that he's done. He did a bunch of TV. All
2: of his. Yeah all of his other directorial credits are TV and it's not even that much so it's the only movie he ever directed so i mean i just i'm so curious to i wonder why i don't know if there's any facts listed in on imdb or anywhere else that explains why this movie and why only this movie
0: yeah i mean sometimes i think directors realize it's just way too complicated it's a huge headache so that I think they back yeah. off sometimes. Um, I know there's other actors out there who probably only directed once, maybe twice, and then they realize it's just not for them. Um, and this yeah, is like at his height. Like a you lot know. of
2: people, a lot of people want to try that, huh?
0: Yeah. Well, I was wondering if it was part of the deal for um, Home Alone two, you know, from the same studio. Mm. Maybe they said, okay, well, I won't take a pay bump, but you got to give me a shot at a script. And he just chose something okay. that seemed like it was sellable. And uh, yeah, he, here. Here's the shocking part is I never in a million years would have guessed the budget would have been $31 million. There's no names in this, no big names. And Daniel Stern's only in well, like a and role, like almost a cameo. So what was the money going to? Special effects? Rookie of the year. Yeah.
2: Rookie of the year cost $31 million to make. Yeah, totally. It's, in it's... 1993. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird.
0: If it gives you any sense of how crazy that is, Hard Target, which is 90 minutes of constant explosions and fight sequences, with Van Damme on the rise, cost $23 million.
2: That's super bizarre.
0: Yeah, maybe I mean, there's a cost of using the stadium. Because, I mean, you had to fill that thing all the time. Mind you, some of those and people might have been there for games. I don't know how they shoot a lot of this stuff. Is it all extras, yeah, or do they know. shoot it between the innings of real games?
2: Yeah, and the fact that they're you know talking about a real team, you know that they had to they probably had to pay for the privilege to not have to make up a baseball team or yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe. If, you, know.
0: if you take it back four years, the budget for um, Major League is 11 million dollars. Hmm. So that was the Cleveland Indians. So it's the same idea. It's not like the Cubs were huge winners after the World Series. I yeah, I don't get this. Um, somewhere along the way, I think maybe Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it makes me super curious, because it just doesn't really add up. I mean, there's no big-name people. There's, you know, I mean, how expensive is it to pay kid actors? I always wonder if it's, like, more, I mean, it's more expensive because of the, like, limited hours and all that stuff, but...
0: It could be. I have no idea. Yeah, and it's not the special effects. I thought maybe it was wall-to-wall special effects, but if you watch the movie closely, they do a lot of cutaways, where he goes, mm-hmm. he pulls his arm back and he goes to throw it, and then there's that, you know, it's only the aftermath of them catching it. And uh, yeah, so I don't know about that. So, you know, the Sandlot um, cost $13 million, so that's a weird juxtaposition. And both were big, but Rookie of the Year was a much bigger hit. That was during the summer, and, you know, there's a lot more money to usually get during the summer because kids are out of school, whereas the Sandlot was a spring release.
2: So I don't know if you saw this, but I, I read it yesterday maybe or the day before. Somebody else has been paying, you know. As it's not under the radar that it's the 25th anniversary of Rookie of the Year, because I just saw this article a couple days ago, interviewing Daniel Stern about the movie and how um, and how he want he offered the role uh, of Henry to uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Because he had worked with him in City Slickers. Two? One, two? I don't know. I don't What's know. I I didn't realize okay. he was
0: in any of them. I haven't seen those movies in so long.
2: He he plays um Billy Crystal's son.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. And it, oh.
2: so it was one of his. It was one of his maybe his first movie. And I don't know. Did did his dad direct City Slickers or something? No. Maybe uh, that the God first maybe? one
0: was Ron Underwood, and I can't remember the director of the second.
2: Yeah, so he is in, I guess he's only in the first one. He's not in the second one. But, um, so I guess he had, you know, because Daniel Stern is in that movie, and he had worked with him and and said, oh, he thought he was, you know, kind of an amazingly, you know, amazing, genius little kid. Yeah. It looks about, what, 10 at the time, maybe when this movie came out. And his response was, He chose not to take the role because he wanted to be a more serious actor.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. (laughs) Even then he knew. In in
2: 1993, he was like 12 or 13 years old, you know? Right. What happened in 2001
0: when he did Bubble Boy?
2: (laughs) Well, but really, if you look at his credits, that's one of the few things that the few diversions from... That plan, he right. pretty much did all, has done mostly serious stuff. So anyway, and then I think at one point he he was just really struggling to find the right actor. And one point he almost like cast his son in the lead. And I don't know, you know, how he came about finding. Um, What's his name? Thomas e- Thomas Ian,
0: Ian Nicholas? Yeah, it's always you to be careful because there's also Thomas Ian Griffith. <laughs> Griffith was rising at the time. He's a martial artist, but he also offered it to oh, Jason right. James Richter. I think.
2: Oh, you know what? I did see that too. So he was doing. He's the Free Willy kid. I don't know what his reason was for saying no or whatever, but uh, I mean, I don't think that. The, the kid, the guy who they ended up with was a bad actor. No. He just was, uh, you know, they laid it on kind of thick with the annoying kid stuff.
0: Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's funny because I didn't even notice that until this last time I watched it. I go, this is a cartoon. Every Every action is really cranked up over time. Except here's the yeah. weird irony of it all. The only person who's subtle is Gary Busey, who <laughs> you wouldn't expect yep, that from.
2: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> he is, you know, not really known for his uh, subtlety.
0: Yeah, lots of use of yelling and big, but, big performances.
2: But 25 years ago, you know, maybe he was uh, not so much on the sauce.
0: Maybe. Well, I mean, he also didn't have that head injury, which made him look all funny. Because remember he got in that motorcycle. Motor, 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 I can't talk motorcycle accident and then i think he had like a brain tumor and they had to do some surgery so now one of his eyes is kind of like sunken in and up yeah and then um he found religion but then he lost the religion and then he started just just i don't know what uh whatever it is it's whatever you see in rookie of the year is completely gone now
2: yeah that's too bad i mean a head head injury in itself is enough to totally change the way a person behaves yeah
0: that's what they say about sports, is that these players um, in all sorts of different sports are taking blows to the head, and that it causes what it? severe emotional trauma. What's that have trauma. to do with Gary Busey? What's that?
2: What's that have to do with Gary Busey?
0: Well, no, I was just thinking about brain damage, brain injuries to your head oh, or whatever. Okay. And I was just thinking we ignore a lot of that stuff. Stuntmen get hit in the head, wrestlers,
1: oh, uh, yes, football
0: players, um, boxers, you know, they're taking these blows to the head, uh, and it changes their personality over the years.
2: Yes, I see. So I was um, interested to see that, like, you know, I didn't remember, obviously, about any of the other players, really, because they kind of brush over
1: mm-hmm.
2: other than other than, you know, Gary Busey and Daniel Stern's character. Uh, they brush over everyone else. But in, in the background, like, oh, one of the guys is uh, Neil Flynn, who <laughs> is best known for. You know the janitor on Scrubs.
0: Well, I think that other um, show is much more popular now.
2: The the dad on uh, the Middle. Uh
0: uh-huh.
2: He has an actual name, but I uh-huh. can't remember what it is. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a pretty funny show, but.
0: Uh, what was I reading about yeah. him? It was that like he was a Chicago based actor? So that's why you didn't see him for a long time, even though he was working a bunch, uh-huh. like in plays and commercials. But in 1993, uh-huh. he had uh, Rookie of the Year, and he had a couple lines in The Fugitive. And oh. isn't that a gag on the Scrubs episode where they, they actually think he's the same guy from The Fugitive and he actually explains that he was an actor for a short period of time? I can't remember now.
2: Um, I don't remember any of that, but it doesn't – it wouldn't surprise me even a little bit if they worked that in as a joke.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: I realize you're, you're right. The middle, uh, it just ended. They just had their last season, but it was on for 214 episodes. It's
0: crazy. I mean, Scrubs was on forever, too, but he wasn't, like, as a focal point. He was always, like, a
3: side character.
2: Right. I mean, I don't know if you've seen The Middle, but I feel really? like it's kind of one of those shows that has, is kind of under the radar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's still on? <laughs> um,
0: not,
2: to, not in a negative way, like it's bad or anything. It just – I feel like it never really got – I mean, you got enough attention, I guess, to stay on the, have nine seasons, but to not, you know, that people were always like, oh my God, you know what show you should watch? The Middle is so good, you know?
0: <laughs> well, that's what it is now. There's so much content out there. You can find out a show's been on for 12 years. And you're like, I've never even heard of it. What?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, Rookie of the Year. The funny thing is, um, a year after this, there was another movie that came out that we went and saw in the theater. Which has no, big league? It, yeah, Little Big League is similar in its, um, if you break it down to the bare minimum, a kid is somehow on um, a major league team, but it's played completely different. In the commercials, they sold it as a comedy, like a silly romp, just like Rookie yeah. of the Year, but um, it wasn't. It was more serious, and I remember at the time not liking it, and then I just watched it a couple months ago. Uh, it was one of those free sites or whatever, like uh, Voodoo. And I was like, this is a great movie. This is a movie meant for me now. Rookie of the Year was meant for us then because Rookie of the Year isn't really that mm. pensive until towards the end. No. Yeah, you know when he um when he opens the glove and sees his mom on there or whatever, and then she tells him.
2: Oh he I, like pulls back he pulls back the duct tape in her comment. Yeah, and or I whatever.
0: got a little I got a little teary I got a little choked up.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's sweet. You're right.
0: Yeah, but Little Big League Um, is, uh, it actually deals with the real world ramifications of a child owning a team and running it. And I thought that was so smart, and it wasn't a hit. Um, Whereas I look at Rookie of the Year now and going, as a director, I would have pulled back a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I got a little bit uh, confused because I think that, not that I think that the plots are similar. You know, I mean, except for the very bare bones of it. But I think I thought that Luke Edwards starred in Rookie of the Year and not Little Big League. Man, Luke Edwards was such a good kid actor.
0: Here's a weird thing is I get confused. At times between Lucas Haas and Lucas Luke Edwards, even though oh, they're years apart, uh-huh. like four years apart, and they weren't any similar projects, but somewhere along the way, I got and lost. and they don't
2: look anything alike. No,
0: but I don't know why I got lost. I was like, no, that's I almost when you said that I almost said Lucas Haas, and you said Luke Edwards. I was like, oh shit, right, yeah.
2: No, I think I just remember him. I I can separate them better because because he was in some of my favorite favorite movies as a kid, The yeah. Wizard, which I. Still have a VHS copy of.
0: <laughs> I have it on DVD. Um, <laughs> I have the riff and tracks.
2: Newsies, <laughs> N- Newsies, which I've seen eight thousand times. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, he didn't do a ton. Oh, I, I guess.
0: Jeepers Creepers too. Oh, and
2: then when he and then when he's in Jeepers Creepers 2, I was like, oh, he's making his comeback. He did, I guess, quite a few things, but not nothing else. I really remember. Yeah. He still has credits and stuff coming out, but.
0: Now, Thomas Ian. why he was
2: such a good kid actor. Yeah.
0: Uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas got better as he. Uh, I mean, he's like most kid actors, though. You look at a lot of these movies of that era, and they really aren't really subtle, mm-hmm. nuanced um, actors. It's very rare when you find one, and also you get kind of creeped out when yeah. they do have that level. You're like, you're not supposed to be that good. Uh. <laughs> like any of the, the fannies. Well, they're way too talented for their age group.
2: Or, yeah, or sometimes they're super, super creepy.
0: Yeah. Um,. But Thomas D. Nicholas, after this, he ended up doing that Aladdin, uh, was it King Aladdin... King and, kid and King kid Arthur's and Court. Kid King
2: Arthur's Court, I but, think.
0: Yeah, but then there was a sequel, King in Aladdin's Castle or something like that. Oh, And I really? remember enjoying both. Yeah, that one went straight to video, but he actually struggled for quite a few years. Most of the stuff that he did after Rookie of the Year, I don't know if it was on purpose or he didn't want to audition. You know, sometimes actors just get like that. They mm-hmm. just take gimmies. you know? Oh, this person offered you this. You don't have to audition. Like, cool, I'll just take it. Uh, yeah, of course. But American Pie basically saved his career. Um, You know, he built upon that for a
2: while. I mean, when you're a kid, you're probably not like, hey, let's do something challenging. It's like, let's do something easy and fun. Yeah. But I'm strangely, I mean, I won't talk about this much because I don't know that I've ever seen a kid in King Arthur's Court, but I'm looking at the cast, and like, Kate Winslet is in it, and Uh Daniel Craig, and it's like, this was from 95, I'm pretty sure I didn't know who either one of them were back then.
0: We almost went and saw it. Um, When I first went to college, uh, me and Ron almost went and saw it, and I can't remember, I think we ended up seeing something so wildly different, I think it was Lord of Illusions? (laughs) A Clive Barker movie? that,
2: that seems more
0: Appropriate it does does I say rookie of the year I'll, if you don't know the plot it's basically this kid uh, hurts his arm and uh, when it heals up after a season I think because he goes from the summer of 92 to the summer of 93 uh, with his arm in a cast and it turns out super super strong which I don't understand the logic of that because if your muscles are so There's tight no you're, you're not gonna be just able to throw you would that. just tear everything back up again you would be so much pain. Even as a kid.
2: Yeah, don't think about the logic. That's yeah. not the point. Here, let's get back on, I interrupted you. Let's get yeah. back on track. You said American oh. Pie saved his career.
0: Uh, American Pie saved his career, but, um, well, now we're on two different tangents. Let me do that real quick. Uh, So he's been bouncing sorry, in and, and out of independent movies, whatever, but he did one called uh, Walt Before Disney, and it's really good. Very low budget. Oh, and yeah, John really Heter, recently. Yeah, John Heater's his brother in that, and I can't stand John Heater, but he's actually um, okay in this one. But it's about Disney basically struggling and you know, falling in and out of bankruptcy, you know, losing the right to his characters, uh, just trying to get his empire built. And he's really good in it.
2: Oh, that's cool. I mean, I'd heard of it. And I think, you know, that the two of them have been doing, I've noticed a lot of like comic book convention um, stuff in the last six months a year they've like been everywhere huh. and i didn't realize what the connection was until i heard about this movie that i think that they must be promoting this movie even though it came out 2015 yeah i saw it a couple years uh, ago i i think it was kind of an maybe an underground hit and so the two of them have been doing a lot of like comic um i don't remember what pop it culture is. conventions
0: uh, i usually would call them because they don't even about yeah. really comic books anymore yeah. it's just pop culture conventions that's true. Um, yes. Okay, so back to the first, uh, the second tangent. So uh, basically he has a super strong arm. He uh, catches a pitch at the Cubs game and uh, throws it back, and it's insanely far, like from the all the way to the back, you know, the outfield all the way to the catcher. And they're all completely freaked out by it, and there's just no way. Inhale, no matter how arm, strong your arm is, that's ever going to happen. But it's all played mm-hmm. for comic effect. It's, we have to, you have to view this as a cartoon. Um it's the only way to tolerate it, and uh, basically he gets hired to be a pitcher for the Cubs for the season, and just, you know, the weird because ramifications. Yeah, in, in mind you, this is, uh, actually the Cubs are always kind of desperate, because uh, they'll have a good season, and then the next six usually suck ass. Uh, they haven't been too bad mm-hmm. the last couple seasons, but we're from Indiana, And there's only a few teams to choose from, none of which are in Indiana. (laughs) You got the Reds, you got the Indians, and you got the Cubs and the White Sox. And I don't know anybody who liked the White Sox. It just wasn't a thing. And for us, well, mostly for me, because I don't think you're a big baseball person, but I was uh, just absolutely obsessed with the Cubs for years. Um, So when this came out, I I really, really connected to it. But I think the Cubs were always kind of... um, an underdog that everybody in the whole country connects to. So when they did win the World Series a couple years ago, it just felt like a huge relief. Like these lovable losers finally got one. Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, but but a lot of Is those baseball. Yeah, no, I don't. But a lot of those baseball team. Uh, a lot of those baseball movies or whatever, they would latch onto teams that were usually not doing very well. Like Major League is all about the Indians, which were always underdogs. Right. Uh, Little well, Big people, League is about the yeah, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, people like a
2: good underdog story.
0: Yeah, I don't want to see a movie about the friggin' Dodgers or the Giants because they're always winning. The Yankees. I don't care.
2: <laughs> Fine. <laughs>
0: don't,
2: but at least, hey, you were a, you were a Cubs fan even when... Nobody else was.
0: <laughs> I had an ulcer. I got an ulcer in 1998 when uh, not only was Sammy Sosa competing with Mark McGuire for the home run championship, uh, they were also trying to get to the playoffs. And I remember being so stressed out with every game, and they were constantly fucking it up. Like, you would get to the ninth inning, there were six runs ahead, and somehow they would find a way to completely screw it up and lose the game.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I ended up getting an <laughs> ulcer from it. I can't believe there was a week where I had to just eat bananas and take in acids. <laughs>
2: You maybe care too much about these things.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of gave up after that. I would catch games here and there, but I wasn't like a season viewer where I had to watch almost every single game. Uh, that was when I was just like, well, I got nothing else to do. Now I can't even sit through a baseball game. I can't. I had tickets to a baseball game uh, just last week. And I said, meh, why do I want to sit there for three and a half hours? Why would I want to do this? I have stuff in my Netflix queue. Well- <laughs>
2: If people, if people don't know you very well, they don't know that you're practically incapable of sitting down for more than like 20 minutes at a no, time. It's
0: really hard. It has to be really early in the morning or at the end of the day because I have such – I fidget so much and I have such short attention span that I can't even watch a movie without being on my phone or reading comic books while I'm watching the movie. And it's just – it's a terrible. If I can focus on a movie, it's, it's a miracle, people.
2: But also, I mean, mostly when I see you, you just, like, you can't sit still. You have to be, like, you have to be stretching. You have to be, like, doing something else because you're just. Oh, yeah, you see me trying.
0: I will watch TV with stretchy bands in my hand going back and forth exercising as I'm watching TV. And sometimes I'll just pace, pace, pace. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't stop. I'm assuming this is how I'm going to (laughs) die. My body will just burn itself down.
2: That's that's really sad. But, <laughs> yeah, I wish you could figure out how to like slow it down. Yeah.
0: Uh, maybe I have untapped anyway, uh, Super track. Speed. Yeah. Uh, so it was written by... Uh, I, okay, I took myself off the page here like an idiot. Um, Sorry. Oh, so it's... Uh, Sam Harper wrote it, and he didn't write another movie for 10 years. But when he did, he had like nonstop hits. He did Cheaper by the Dozen, oh, really? Just Married, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, Open Season... Rio, and now he's writing The Jetsons. That's kind of
2: cool.
0: Well, oh, hold on a second. His mother is Jessica Harper. What? Hold on. Am I reading this right? No, no, no. Jessica his sister. Harper. Sorry, his sister is Jessica Harper from uh, Phantom of the Paradise and uh, Shock Treatment, um, Pennies from Heaven. She, you know, she's a singer. Uh, she's also from Suspiria. Oh
2: right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
0: So that's pretty cool. So who am I thinking? Who's the mom on Arrested Development?
2: Jessica Walter.
0: Okay. Um, Walter. You know, it's funny is this was edited by Rajah Gosnell, who ended up working for Fox later by doing Never Been Kissed. And then, of course, Scooby-Doo, Down to You. Um, I think he's just doing like shitty, shitty, shit, shit. But But it's kind of cool when you see names that became bigger, you know, in uh, smaller roles.
2: Um. Speaking, can I just say one thing? Speaking of Phantom of the Paradise, um, I went to see The Incredibles two this morning. Yeah, and uh, Do they have a
0: reference for
2: some reason. The like, the no, not really, but the bad guy in in Incredibles two, the like the like mask costume type thing they had. Just gave me such like such a fan of the paradise vibe. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So it's really weird that you brought it up today. I don't um, know. When you see it, tell me what you think. But it was just like something was. I'm sure it was just a coincidence. Uh, okay. But anyway.
0: The um, okay. the second movie I want to mention here is uh, of course the Sandlot, and this is the one I think is much more legendary and its cult status. Like people who love it love it. And there's T-shirts, there's merch, well, there's I don't sequels. Think...
2: I don't really think there's anyone who doesn't like this movie.
0: I mean, it's one of
2: those kind of movies.
0: Actually, I was wrong. It costs $7 million. Universal appeal. Yeah. Um, Well, the only thing that bugged me is it's a a thing that kids do, and I don't know why they do, especially in movies, is just constant yelling. Like, whatever it is, they just, ah, ah, all together. It's as if they had seen Macaulay Culkin yell in Home Alone and thought, kids love that. Have all the kids yell. This movie will be bigger than Home Alone.
2: Um, you know, kids are just rowdy, man. Relax. I just,
0: I'm I'm a wound up old man. <laughs> yes you are. The you uh, know that.
2: St- um oh I was just gonna say <laughs> content rating. Rated PG for some language and kids chewing tobacco. <laughs> 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 That's what it says. That's pretty funny. Okay, anyway. Which is you a great sequence, by the I, way. I,
0: that, that that scene cracked me up so bad. There's so much puke. I had no idea it was, so, it was so much puke. It's
2: so gross. It's so gross. Um two things I thought I so I watched this yesterday and I um, I have the Blu ray version of it and I cracked it open. It was the twentieth. 20th anniversary edition and I hadn't opened it yet. I think I got it last year. I'm not sure. And they have like a pack of like um, baseball cards in it for all the characters. which No was shit. Cool. That's great. Um, It's really cool. But um, I was thinking about it when I was watching it last night that, okay, this movie came out when I was, what, 13, right? Correct. 13. And I think it was the first movie that I remember hearing kids say cuss words. In a kid's movie.
0: No, Monster Squad, right?
2: Oh, maybe. I was just like, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It was just one of the few times, I guess, that I had heard, heard kids in a very specifically kids movie say multiple cuss words. And I was like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I was just like, oh, huh. This is a movie that everyone shows to their kids.
0: Yeah. Well, you know you what? Know, you're right. Monster Squad is a very specific audience and not necessarily geared towards kids like that same age yeah. group. They're kind of geared at teenagers, and the kids are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, Ruby's like 16 or something like that, so I guess it's a little bit different because these kids are all, what, 10, 12? <clears throat> well, I mean,
2: when the, yeah, when the movie starts, Smalls says that it, it's at the end of the... He, it starts the summer after fifth grade. Okay. So he's 10 or 11. And I realize not all the kids are the same age, but they're not that far apart. You know it's funny? I mean, what? Well,
0: who is yeah. the kid with the red hair who, who still acts? Like, he's the only one of the kids that seems to still act.
2: Oh, you know, we were talking about that too. And um, he was, you know, I remember he did a lot of stuff at the time. He was in like, um, uh, what's it called um son-in-law
0: holy crap he's almost and as he's... old as i am
2: what and he was in like the big green or something like that. yeah he is he's older than me <sighs> um but the weird the weird and exciting thing is is that i was looking at his credits and he has a couple episodes of uh on glow yeah. in season two which i'm excited Exceedingly excited about. Have you have you been watching this? yeah, I watched
0: the first season, it was fantastic. His name is Patrick Renna, but he seemed like he was everywhere at that time. But I also thought it was weird that he looked like he was a forty year old like union guy when he was ten.
2: Well, the weird part is is that the picture that's on his, like, IMDB credit is, like, he literally still looks exactly it? the same, it but reminds, he looks like an old man.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of a joke from Kids in the Hall when there's this high school reunion, and she looks at Kevin McDonald, and she goes, wow, you haven't aged a bit. And he goes, well, I've been fortunate that I always look like I was
2: 45.
0: <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's yeah, also in Lava Lanchula.
2: Simultaneous- <laughs> So what would you say?
0: He's also in Lava Lantula, which I'm very happy about.
2: <laughs> okay, I don't know what that is, but I'm glad it brings you joy. Lava Lantula.
0: <laughs> it's a giant lava like spewing. a
2: monster movie. <laughs> yeah. Not only does it have a volcano, but it has gigantic lava-breathing tarantulas. I must see this movie.
0: Well, it's the sharknado. Have it's you... a spinoff of Sharknado. It's ridiculous.
2: Wait, Have you seen
0: it? Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about Lavalancha or what did you say? you say something different?
2: I am talking about that.
0: Oh, uh, I've seen Have bits and pieces. you that's
2: what I, I'm asking.
0: Yeah, I was on Sci-Fi Channel and I saw Steve Guttenberg and I was like, yeah, I love the there, good, but I can't do this.
2: There's so many people from like, um, um, Police Academy in this movie.
0: You know what I just realized? Isn't, what? isn't, what? okay, so that kid's in The Big Green, isn't that Steve Guttenberg? Didn't he star in The Big Green?
2: I don't remember. I don't really remember The Big Green. I know I must have saw it at least one time, but I don't remember anything about it.
0: I feel like post Mighty Ducks.
2: Just that it's a soccer movie.
0: Yeah, every every company was putting out these like Mighty Ducks similar kind of movies because they were cheap to make and they would get like one or two names. Like, yeah. What was it? Little Giants, um, The Big Green.
2: Yes, I remember uh, that one too. And the kid who plays um, Squints is in the... Uh, Little Big League too. It seems like a lot of those kid movies overlapped. Yeah. Well, you know? I,
0: well, was it Chauncey Leah Party? Um, I mostly know him from being in Freaks and Geeks. That was like one of the last things that he did.
2: Well, after I think it might have been after Freaks and Geeks that he was on The Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure.
0: Um, besides Patrick That's Renner, the only right? one that still has a strong IMDb. Oh no, it was after our uh, Freaks and Geeks. It was the next year. Um, okay. Tom Tom Guari is pretty much the only one who still has an active IMDb besides Patrick Brennan. Is
2: that how you say his name? I don't
0: know. I have no idea. Let's just call him Smalls. There we go. Let's cheat.
2: I always (laughs) thought it was Geary.
0: Oh, okay. You know what's funny is I was was watching this and my mom asked me, she goes, what character do you connect to the most? And I was like, oh, no, clearly Smalls. I'm always awkward and uncomfortable and I never feel like I belong. (laughs)
2: But I think that I—I um, I mean, I can't obviously speak for the world, but I think that uh, probably a lot of people connect to that character, yeah. and that's the reason why they did it from that perspective. You know, mm-hmm. the outsider, the 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 loner, the like weird kid, the you know, um, th- that that's more universal than that people you know admit
0: to there there's characters in this I mean, that you can have like a connection like a, there's a part of you like you want to be um, everybody knows that they're pretty much smalls but they you know they, they want to be Benny you know they want to be the amazing athlete they want to have mm-hmm. the perfect one liner like ham they want to have that impulsive like let's just take a risk like squint's like there's a moment in in Saint Lot where squint has madness in his eyes and
2: it know, terrifies me
0: <laughs> just before he kisses uh, Marley Shelton's character. I can't remember her when, name.
2: Yeah. Um, Wendy Peppercorn, Pe- I think. Yeah, that's right.
0: Wendy Peppercorn. Um, when he goes up and he looks at them, he goes, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't, is he circular? What's going on? It's
2: not, it's not just the madness in his eyes. It's the maniacal, almost Joker-like smile that goes mm-hmm. along with the madness in his eyes. Yeah. It really gets me. But
0: then there's such a sweet moment after that. You know, she yells at him. She calls him a pervert. She kicks him out of the pool with all their friends. I don't understand why the friends got kicked out, too. Um, Here's a funny bit. If you notice, as they're leaving the pool area, someone randomly throws their clothes out of the bathhouse. I don't know who it is, how he's connected, but you see just a huge hand and a pile of clothes go flying. (laughs) I never understood what that was about. But right after that is when she just kind of looks him through the fence and she's mad, but he just kind of has that sweet, like, I, I just, you know, love you so much. I didn't mean any harm.
2: I think, yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate that, um, you know, you know, grown-up Smalls is the one who's telling the story, narrating the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he when he explains that story, I appreciate very much that, like, he acknowledges that it was totally, like, dubious and wrong that he did that
1: mm-hmm. but
2: that they were impressed by his like you know moxie yeah. but that they don't that they don't like just brush it off as some like cute boy thing right it's right a that's still bit, assault it's a little bit pervy yeah.
0: yeah but I mean at 10 years old I don't think you truly understand yeah. the ramifications of it that's why it's the if you're gonna do that in a story that's probably the best age to do it because there's almost a naive stupidity in what he did yes and, and she forgives him, you know, almost instantly after he kind you know, when I said he was, he didn't think he did anything wrong because he was writing purely on impulse, which is different as a child yeah. than it is as an adult. But he yeah. has that weird, sad regret to like, I just wanted to show you my affection, but I, you know, I didn't mean to upset you kind of thing.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to say one other thing. I mean, this is a really dumb comment, but it was so amusing to me. So, yeah, um, Ham is just, like, he is such a funny character, and he has just, like, such quick quick wit and, you know, the funniest one-liners and stuff like that. But he really embraces, like, who he is. Uh-huh. He's called Ham. I mean, his name is Hamilton, and that's why they call him Ham, but it's really more than that because he's, you know, a, a chunky show, at, show off that Ham applies for so many reasons to him. But the thing at the pool that dis- I just dis- died last night when I was watching it I noticed for the first time ever is, you know, when he does that thing where he's like, cannonball, you know, when he jumps in the pool, uh-huh. he doesn't say, he doesn't say cannonball. He says, hammondball. Like he? like he just, he does. I watched it like two or three times. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure he just like, just like twisted it to be just for him. You know, uh-huh. And he totally does. You have to watch his mouth, but he totally says eight feet ham instead of cannonball, and I was just like, I've seen this movie twenty times probably, and I've never noticed that. Like it's just a minor little thing, but I just thought it was so hilarious.
0: The uh, right before this that film, though, just... that swagger that he yeah. has, and he's just like, hello ladies, I how's know. it going? He's like, he's
2: like, he knows,
0: he knows. Like you said, he knows who he, he is. is. He's just out there like James Bond, just about hello ladies, hi. Hey you
2: pretty <laughs> ladies, I know he's so funny.
0: The um, the sequels. Have you seen them?
2: Um, no.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid. I don't to. think
2: I want to. Yeah, I
0: just don't have any interest. I mean, I've I've, seen, I've heard that like one of them has cameos from some of the original cast, and I know that the, the second or third one, Danny Nucci plays uh, plays um.
2: Yes, ve- the third Benny. one, he, Danny. Danny Nucci plays Benny, and uh, Squints was his name, Chauncey. You said his name was Chauncey. Yeah, he comes back, but um.
0: But like, by then there's such a huge age difference because that doesn't make any sense because I just, Danny Nucci was probably pushing early 40s by that time and Chauncey was still been about 28.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, that's the thing with with sequels, especially when they're like direct to video sequels, and you know they're just trying to capitalize on the success and not necessarily make the quality movie. And I just don't. Know that I wanted to go there because yeah. it's just it's too classic and it's too important to me like to go there. You know? you, even though so. David
0: Mickey Evans I think is involved in both sequels, it, uh, it, it it makes you nervous. But it's worked before. I mean, the Tremor sequels were done by the guys who wrote the original, and then those are all really good except for the last two when they got fired and they're no longer involved. But um, I want to I'm gonna look at what his. Uh, I feel like he's had a movie in pre-production forever, or I mean post-production forever, called 1977. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could have the wrong person. It was something about a scene. It has a kid from Freaks and Geeks, but it's not under his oh. uh, IMDb, so I must have the wrong um, actor, or the wrong director. Uh, so he wrote a bunch of horror stuff, action stuff, before The Sandlot, which is kind of funny, but his radio flyer that got him known, uh, I don't know if you've seen that. That's the one about um, um, Adam oh, Baldwin. is he a very him. abusive stepdad, yeah. Uh, he was fired from yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I've, I've seen it. I've seen it because I've seen, like, I, I saw every movie with Elijah Wood when I was a kid. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I Elijah and, I mean, actually,
0: yeah. I Wood. Actually, I'm not sure if he was I've fired, but he was it. replaced. They, they didn't think he had enough experience, um, so they gave it to Richard Donner, but that gave him the ability to do the Sandlot. He also uh, did um, uncredited co-writing for Disney on A Far-Off Place and Hocus Pocus.
2: It's interesting, though, that I didn't realize that Thomas Ian Nicholas... Was in Radio Flyer. Really, all these kids huh. were just getting around, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Elijah Wood, Joseph, um, Mazzello. was Joseph? Yes, he was in Jurassic Park. Correct. That's right. The little, the little, but he was. He's still. Luckily, he's one of the few kids that's. He's still acting.
0: Yeah, he was in. Um... He's been able to. I haven't seen him since the second G.I. Joe, which I was pissed as hell that they killed him off in the first 10 minutes. You know, he had this character mouse, and he was supposed to be like their gadget guy, and then they killed him off. And I was like, what the fuck was that?
2: The second G.I. Joe made a lot of mistakes. But, yeah, he's been in – he was in the social network, the Pacific, um, Justified. You know, he's one of the few that seems to have made a decent, you know, transition into adulthood. But anyway, that's a different story. Different this is aspect. interesting. Did, um,
0: did you know in 1990, but, 1998, Michael Palladoras sued David Mickey Evans and Fox, saying that his character, or the character Squints, was based on him? And, hmm. uh, oh, I didn't realize the character's name was Michael Palladoras. I, I just know him as Squints. It was derogatory and caused him shame and humiliation. I wonder how that caused him shame and humiliation, because everybody loves Squints.
2: I don't know. That's weird. That's a very interesting thing. Um, so I think one of my favorite parts of the of Sam Lot is, you know, when they're trying to educate uh, S- Smalls. How does he not know anything? It's I mean, he, really. Weird. I understand not. I understand not knowing how to play baseball. Like, I mean, in in reality, I mean, you should be. I would. I don't understand why he doesn't understand it conceptually. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> And not knowing who, like, Babe Ruth is, like, none of that really makes sense to me unless he, like, lived under a rock. Well, how does he but not even
0: know how to throw a ball? It, he doesn't know how to throw a ball. The I way he know. cramps himself up into that weird position to throw it five feet, and you're just like, what?
2: Yeah. I don't know. He was just insecure, I guess. That yeah. was part of his problem. Um, but the the whole part where they're in the clubhouse, and they're teaching him about s'mores. I mean, how does they not know what a s'more is? <laughs> um, and they're... T- you know and then they're telling the whole story about about the beast and the flashback the whole black and white like ridiculous story that Quince tells him about his great great grandpappy or whatever it's just so so funny like I love that whole the whole scene um, you know but, and they it could have easily been a whole different story instead they you know reluctantly took on this ridiculously naive little kid and taught him everything he needed to know, um, which was really cool. But the other, but be- you know, the other great part is when they try to get that baseball back, all the like ridiculous schemes that they come up yeah,
3: with like, to
2: like little to, Macgyver's like, back, <laughs> little Macgyver's and like. They blow themselves up a little bit. And the vacuums. <laughs> like, that
0: was crazy. They had three vacuums. And they hooked up to this huge system. They, have, they had the Mission Impossible sequence before Mission Impossible.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the whole, like, erector sets. And, like, there's whole, so many different schemes. But I just I love how, how clever they are.
0: I um, I actually appreciate after the huge chase sequence when the dog is hurt that they showed they actually had a lot of heart. Um, I mean, they were scared at know, first, I but he's like, please help a little me bit get... when I
2: watched it.
0: Yeah, it was really sad because he was whimpering and then he got up and he just licked him on the face. You don't realize that the dog, first off, they blew it up with their imagination on how big the dog was. But oh, two, absolutely. two, it's, um, it was a game to the dog. You know, it, it wasn't. uh you know, like he was a vicious on the attack, that he thought that they were playing a game with him. And, and in their minds, though, they don't understand that. In fact, the whole problem would have been solved if they hadn't been scared of James Earl Jones in the first place.
2: Well, they, you know, based on that flashback of the great-great-grandpappy and yeah. the whole setup, that's like, this is a totally stupid story to strike... Fear in children's hearts and to be entertaining. But, yeah, totally blown out of proportion.
0: Yeah, and they they even tell him that after they realize they're like,
2: Squint, you idiot! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they could have done the most obvious thing, and instead they were like, you know wussy little boy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think, I think, I
0: think a lot of people do that. I mean, we had that house oh, yeah. in Huntington where we were all afraid of, you know, the old house right there next to the uh, funeral mm-hmm. home that was always dilapidated. And we always mm-hmm. thought it was haunted. I mean, you just, you just make this up. Hell, we even thought our basement was haunted for a while.
2: I'm pretty sure it was.
0: <laughs> I still don't understand where that big hole, you know, it looked like uh, somewhere you'd hired dead bodies in the back. Or, you know, remember how in the basement, um, there was the main chunk, which was already gross in the first place. But then there's that weird side room that it had a built-up wall, but I was tall enough at some point that I could look down in it. I'm like, what was this even for? What did they put here?
2: Um, I just know that uh, I was scared of it, and I never want to talk about it again. Okay.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> but that's the
0: imagination of kids. And
2: it's still scary. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, <laughs> the, um, it's instantly quotable. The, uh, the you know, you're saying, yeah, yeah, uh, forever, forever. Oh, yeah. I, I, quote, I actually say that all the time, forever. I say, you're killing yeah. me, Smalls, which is probably the most infamous line from that is uh, that line. And the oh, great yeah. Bambino.
2: I mean, their shirts and, you know, paraphernalia still after all this time that I don't think that anybody wouldn't know what you're talking about if you said you know, you're killing me, small.
0: Yeah, the uh, yeah. this is like a good era for baseball movies too. It just seemed like there's so many of them, and not all of them were hits. But I think a lot of them were discovered later on video, like The Scout, uh, Little Big League. Um, there's a couple I really like called Pastime and Talent for the Game. Um, I actually really enjoy Major League Three, which is about the minor leagues, and uh, it seems more like a pilot for a TV show, but it's really enjoyable. There's a lot of baseball movies during the nineties.
2: Mhm, and for it's funny because I was never really like, I've never really been a sports person, but I've always really enjoyed sports movies, especially baseball ones.
0: Yeah, well, I, I will not, maybe
2: that's because of you. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I will not watch a football game. I've never done it. I only watch the worlds or the Super Bowl for the commercials. Um, but I will watch the replacements anytime it's on. Necessary roughness, no problem. I will watch that. <laughs>
2: I wouldn't say that I'd watch every football movie, but I would say, and especially, I would probably watch any baseball movie anytime. I mean, you rem- you remember that phase that I went through? What grade was I in? I don't know. Sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe. Yeah. That came home from school and watched friggin' uh, Le- what was it? Major League. What was it called? Major League every single day after school. I think I had a crush on Charlie Sheen or something. I'm not really sure. Well, we but, had that, though. Man, we, had, we, we, had, that movie.
0: we watched Batman nonstop, and then we replaced it with Major League. And I think somewhere along the way, yeah. I, had, I had taped Darkman off TV and watched that a ton. We watched Wayne's World constantly. There are certain movies that we watched over and over and over.
2: Yep. I guess we had obsessive personalities even as kids. Maybe
0: that might explain why I needed to see every single Michael Perret movie just because I loved Eddie and the Cruisers and Streets of Fire so much.
2: (laughs) But
1: they're so good and so underappreciated.
0: But the other other movies aren't so much. But uh, The Sandlot is definitely one of those that, yes, it did well in the theaters, but it built a massive following on home video. And this is one of those movies Absolutely. where you could just pick up a copy and, I, like you said, I don't know anybody who doesn't like it. It's weird if you find out someone is just like okay with it. I'm like what? No, <laughs> you love this movie.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I mean, I, I'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a person who said no, I don't like that, because it's just so universally appealing.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people don't even like the like you said like don't care for the sport so much, but if it's a good story, it doesn't matter what sport it is. Hell, I've seen a movie about, um, what's like curling, uh, men with brooms. Yeah. That's a great movie. Oh, absolutely. I don't give a
2: shit about curling. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. It's not even a sport in the United States, really. No,
4: not really. Um, I mean, it
2: probably is, but not a well-known one.
1: And I think Oh, the
2: other... yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter as long as, like, the story's good or... characters
0: are likable and I think the other thing that really works about the sandlot is uh it's a nostalgia factor it's not about baseball in 1993 when it was made it's a reflection back and I think people really enjoy it they don't seem to make them anymore but that was a huge thing for a while there's American Mm -hmm. Graffiti there's Stand By Me um uh Hoosiers was huge and that was a reflection back on an innocent time Actually, what, see, that's oh, a lie. Yeah. I just what, told, I just told a lie. That's not an innocent time. If you were white, yeah, it was probably pretty good for you. But if you weren't white and straight and male, the '60s yeah. were probably rough.
2: But that's not how people think about it. In general, they're like, oh, you know, back when there was no, you know, we all sat down and had dinner together, and and had, you know, and didn't didn't watch TV and stare at phones and
0: yeah, well, you know, I don't- yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it's post World War II where we had a huge victory and everybody got to come home. Well, not everybody. That's not what I meant. Um, but I mean, pe- their soldiers got to come home. And right,
2: uh, I, know, I know.
0: But pre-Vietnam, so it's that yeah. weird golden, you know, twenty-year chunk where you know America was growing really fast. You know, we had a huge economy, and uh, and there
2: was not. War.
0: well there was a Korean War but it, I don't, I don't I'm, I'm terrible with history but I don't think that lasted very long and it didn't well, seem like it drug out as badly as Vietnam
2: and also we didn't live during that time so we don't really know the full ramifications True. Of like, it's more how of a curiosity
0: you know when we were kids we, we were really curious know. about previous eras there's no reason why everybody from our era was watching Gilligan's Island and laughing and and Brady Bunch but we're all curious to what it was like 10 years before we were born 15 years before we were born mm-hmm So I think maybe that's why we get nostalgic now for 80s and early 90s stuff is because the generation after us is now starting to like, hey, you know, why is everybody so obsessed with 1984, you know, that era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, The Sandlot is a pretty solid flick when it comes to um, also not so much whitewashing over what was going on at the time. They happen to have two Latino characters, and they have uh, an African-American character, but they don't make an issue of it. Because you know what? When you're a kid, yeah. unless you're told to, you don't know the difference. I, I, I had um, right. friends of every race when I was a kid, and I didn't know the difference. I didn't, it wasn't even a thing to me until I got older, and people started pointing right. it out.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I realized when I was older that, like, there's, you know, two two black kids in my whole entire high school of 1,600 kids, and, you know, there really wasn't very much diversity, but I didn't realize that until I was older and, realized, you know, as a kid, it was just... Kids were kids. I didn't care.
0: Yeah. Well, you and I grew up in a very diverse area too. Then we moved to a different town where it was all like 98% yeah. white. So it was like jarring. I noticed it immediately when I got there. Um, so it, it's just it's just kind of sad that there's some people who are cut off from other races. So they're scared and, and, and um, mm-hmm. then it's like, uh, I don't know, is isolationism. Is that the word I'm looking for? When you're mm-hmm. completely cut off from people who are different than you? So you and I yeah. didn't have that growing up, and then it was jarring not to have. I guess you it took you longer to realize it, but I was immediately like, "Holy crap! Why don't I see anybody besides well, white faces?"
2: <laughs> I was also like nine years old or something True. when we moved, yeah. so you know it took me a while longer. But um, yeah, basically what you're saying, yeah, it's um, you know they don't they don't ignore it, but they also don't make it a big thing.
0: Right. And I didn't realize you know, it was in San Fernando Valley. I, this whole time I never so caught I that. No I had to idea. look. See, I thought it maybe it was like you know, in just middle America. I knew it was hotter, but you know, I Indiana summers can get pretty friggin' hot.
2: Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I did. He did mention that one day it was like a hundred. The day they go to the pool, he says one hundred and fifteen degrees. But I thought that he was just exaggerating. But... Yeah, well,
0: yeah, because you never know what's real in this world because they're they're always cranking right. things up in their imagination.
2: But, but one of the, I think the main thing is, is that. Um, regardless of like people's emotional connection to the story or maybe the time period it, this, I don't feel like this story, this movie, it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel maybe. And that's maybe because, you know, they didn't do it in the current time. They did it in a, you know, in a previous time period where it was, you know, it didn't matter because if they, they set the movie in 1993, it would be so blue.
0: Which is weird because if they were yeah. gonna remake The Sandlot right now, they probably would set it in 1993.
2: Well, then now, but then it would feel different.
0: Yeah, cause what is that movie? Dope. Have you seen that one
2: yet? No, you told me it was really good, but I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah,
0: it's set in 1992, and yet somehow they made it in a way that it feels like now. So I don't know if it's so much the the way they they film things or they they mm-hmm. cut the fat out of a lot of the stories. Like I feel like a lot of stuff that's set in the 80s feels purely 80s especially the, the high school movies because you know whatever trend like was hap- happening at that night well no i was just thinking like weird science you know and stuff like that it oh. looks specifically like that is only 1985 fast times original high looks specifically like 1982 i see i think we dragged maybe this one out a little bit
2: yeah we have we're getting off track maybe yeah. we can talk about weird trends later yeah <laughs>
0: all but right
2: I, the point is is that it's you know, it's universal and it doesn't and it you know doesn't feel dated even 25 years later. I don't feel like oh gosh, like that's so so awkward in 90s and it doesn't it's you know it doesn't have that feel at all.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the difference in the two movies so, too is that uh, Rookie of the Year I don't think has aged as well. Whereas Sandlot, no. and, and also Sandlot is really not about baseball. Baseball is the driving point where they all hang out, but Rookie of the Year, yeah. it is about baseball. You know, it's about his relationship with his mother, too, but the baseball is the crucial part. And in fact, huge chunks of the story have, take place during the games.
2: Yes. So if yes, you're not I do a, think that you're definitely-
0: Yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're not a baseball fan, start off with Sandlot first, and if you like that, maybe go over to Rookie of the Year.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a, a piece of the, the piece of the puzzle to, to tell a story, um, but it's you know it's more about you know friendship and stuff like that and yeah, which is more about a more universal concept.
0: I think also Sandlot is the reason you actually stopped hating uh, Dennis Leary because I remember those commercials on MTV would piss you off. Oh.
2: Dennis Leary, this was the first time I think that he really took a more, like, straight man, like, serious kind of thing and said, God, he used to be so obnoxious. Yeah. Oh, uh, Yes, you're right. <laughs> he was very likable in this film. Um.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for us here at Video Night. Thank you for listening to this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment for all of our podcasts and all the episodes. And uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go?
2: Oh, well, you know, I do a weekly uh, spot on our local radio station, uh, 99.3 The Vine, uh, which you can listen to online. I do it Wednesday mornings around 8.45. I do it for work, so it's actually, it's called Making Books Rock, and I talk about, uh, you know, a couple books and a couple events, Um, but you can also catch most of the the previous episodes on SoundCloud under um, I think I think it's just Napa County Library, which is where I work. So if you want to hear me talk about books, get suggestions for good reads and just listen to me be done, because we mostly just goof around uh, too, uh, you can check that out. It's fun.
0: Alright everybody, have a good night. And <laughs> on, on your sniff. And on your sniff. That's going to go on forever, forever. I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to take that clip and stretch it out, just copy-paste, copy-paste.
2: <laughs> My sniff?
0: Yeah, go ahead and say goodnight, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths, the podcast where we discuss all the significant moments in comic book history, and some not so significant, it's just whatever entertains us. Uh, this week I have Cameron on, who's, uh, it's been about a year hey. since we've done an episode. Has it been a year? Yeah, well, we did we did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in April, which I have to apologize. I didn't know that my recorder was failing, so towards the end of the episode, it turned to complete static. So I had to chop it and edit it. So yeah, so this one will go better.
4: <laughs> oh, I hope so. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's it was a separate recorder, and I think I damaged it when I took it on the train with me to record some live episodes in Napa, and it just didn't come back the same. Oh, okay. Alright, so this week we're going to discuss Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, the two miniseries where we uh, have Miles Morales and Peter Parker bouncing between the two universes. Before we discuss that, there's two things I want to talk to you about. A, did you see Spider-Verse? Because I have not seen it yet.
4: Yes, I saw it. That's what made me think of this episode. Yeah, yeah, I, saw it. yeah I saw it. I took my uh, my godson
0: mm-hmm.
4: and I took one of my best friends. We all, we all went to see it. Because uh, I knew my god godson would love it because he loves spider-man and then uh me and my buddy Jamal we always go see the nerd movies together uh-huh. so, yeah and I was like I wonder how closely they're gonna follow like you know the, the comic book verse and um this particular universe too uh they did a pretty good job with it uh but we'll, we'll get into the plot in a second but yeah I, I thought spider verse was awesome. Did you Uh, see Venom? Venom
0: has a stinger at the end that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it goes from live-action film to the animated film, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? It
4: goes from live-action to animated?
0: Yeah, the stinger during the credits is from the animated film, and it feels like it was just plopped down there. But is in the Spider-Verse, I don't want to know too much about it because I haven't seen it yet, but do they make the live-action and the animated-verse all connected?
4: Uh, uh, I don't think they are, but like I think if they're open to it, then they they're, they're gonna try to make it connected. But uh, yeah, it's part of a. It's not really part of the Marvel, the MCU, really. But like if they're open to it, I think they're gonna try to connect it to that. Okay. I think it's its own. I think it's own separate thing though, from like the the Spider Man Homecoming and all that, the adventure stuff.
0: Right, and, and you saw the trailer for Far From Home, yesterday, Correct. Yes, I did. Okay. Hydra-Man, Sandman, you think they're illusions that Mysterio creates to make himself look
4: like a hero? Yes, that's what I was wondering, and I was like, I had to I see uh, the one of the janitors at my work, and we're big nerd dudes, and I was like, what? They're having three villains again? I'm like, Sandman, like, Hydra-Man, and you saw Mysterio, I'm like, okay, maybe those are illusions. Yeah. And if they are, that's kind of cool to try to get like, more villains in the Spider-Man universe, because uh, Mysterio has done that in the comics and in, like, animated versions of
0: a uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, it's, it's funny, though. hydro man was such a deep cut. When I saw it, I was like, no, 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 no. And then they combine. Okay, see, so here's why it's so special to me. The very first comic book I ever read, and I believe it was Amazing Spider-Man 2...13? Where mm-hmm. Sandman and hydro man have a fight, and they combine it's a one, and they're locked together. It's this big, giant monolith. And it's just destroying New York City, and that's when they show Mysterio fighting, and I'm like, holy shit! That's exactly the moment that I first experienced comic books.
4: That's awesome. He turns into Mud Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Muck, the giant Muck. Um, what, what is the first comic book you ever read? Do you remember?
4: Uh, it was a Ninja Turtle one. It was like, uh, growing up, I had a learning disability. so that's how we was able to cope with reading, was mm-hmm. reading comic because you could kind of follow the pages. Um it was a Ninja Turtles book and it was like but they had it on tape too. So like I could so like I could listen to the story and read the book at the same time. And uh I forgot what the actual title of it was, but it was like kinda like based from the old cartoon. And it was like it was like where they fight the shredder for the first time and oh, okay. meet prank and all that stuff. And uh, I remember it being a lot
0: darker than the cartoon, actually. Yeah, it's, I used to have those. I forgot that those even existed, so you said that that, that they had uh, uh, comic books on tape. I used to have a Spider-Man on record. Really? Yeah, I think it was oh, uh, one of the Electric Company-sponsored records, and they were just kind of culminating oh, okay. some of his episodes on a little... It was a little 45, I believe.
4: Hmm. So, yeah, See, I'm oh, you, so, so, like,
0: records... <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to talk or if I was going to talk. And I was like, mm, long gap. <laughs> what are you going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah,
4: I'm younger than you. So records, I'm like, oh, well, I know what they are now. Because yeah. like, we have a whole bunch
0: of records in yeah. our house. So The um records, I, they kind of died off, I think, when I was about six or seven. Then that's when it became all about CDs. I mean, cassettes stuck around forever because they were durable. I mean, you could beat the shit out of those things
4: and just fix it with a pencil. Yep. Yeah, that's what we had cassettes. We had cassettes. I remember we had a we had a book. We had a lot of books on tape. I remember we had a there was this a uh, Disney short called The Prince and the Pauper with Mickey Mouse. And I I had the VCR tape that it came in, and then my mom bought the book on tape. Hmm. I remember. It
0: I remember taking a recorder and setting it next to the TV and recording episodes of my favorite TV shows. I still remember taping MacGyver, which is a very I'm really visual like, show.
4: I'm like, we used to do that, too. We used to do that, too. Because like, there was a period where I was like, oh, yeah, we have cable now, but uh, we don't know if that's going to last. So if you want to watch them over again, yeah. <laughs> you go back. Did you know
0: somebody who had cable all the time? Like, it was never not in their house. And you're just like, what kind of rich world do you come from? We only get it when the free trials come around. <laughs>
4: uh, my friend Marcus, one of my best friends growing up, they always had cable. Like, like he was able to, like, know all the stuff about Rugrat. Yeah. And all Nickelodeon stuff. Like, I had to go to his house to watch stuff.
0: <laughs> well, you know, your friend William, my uncle, um. He had cable as a kid, and we watched everything there. He had HBO and Showtime and stuff like that. But we we didn't have cable until I hit high school, so I would go over there, and I watched Howard the Duck like 9,000 times.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was terrible, but I have so much nostalgia for that moment in life that it kind of blinds me a bit. I'm like, no, nah, it's not that bad. It's that bad. Shut up.
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I remember uh, watching, like, Oh, I remember, oh, I was just talking to somebody about this. You remember, like, uh, HBO, the old, like, opening where it was, like, they go through, like, the city or whatnot? Oh, yes. I was like, dang, they need to bring that back, man. That made you ready to watch some Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or Miss Deathfire.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, wasn't it like it started scrolling through the city and you slowly pulled back and you saw the HBO logo and it's, it would come, like, straight up and cross the screen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember the CBS one? Whenever there was an animated special, that it would come around like that winding a special
4: presentation.
0: Dun 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 dun. Yeah, man,
4: it's like yeah, back yeah back in the day, man. It was like HBO don't have that now. It's like HBO was like like their logo now is just that little thing that pops up and. Dun, 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 dun.
0: Yeah, it's totally different now. We're way off the topic here, but you know whatever. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, so I only read the first one, and I, and I didn't realize there was going to be a cliffhanger, and I'm like, oh my god, did, did, is there a sequel to this? And you told me, yeah, there's a, there's a part two. I was like, oh, thank god. And I know somebody who read it, and they said they did not like part two. Now, we're going to discuss both of them, but I really enjoyed Spider-Man 2, but I kind of get where he's coming from, because the focus isn't on our main characters as much.
4: No. It's like, uh... Yeah, like, I don't have my copy here with me because, uh, I don't know, I let my my uncle borrow my stuff.
1: Uh-huh. I don't
4: know if he gave it all back. But uh, if I remember part two, it's like, oh, the cl- uh, oh, dang, I don't want to spoil the clip. No, let no, no. Go. Whoa, let's whoa, go whoa, back. Yeah.
0: Oh. The, uh, yeah, let's go back. I, I was up dope and I traded in my comics this week. I, I, there's a place here called The Book Bin where I can trade in my trade paperbacks and uh, get some newer ones. I traded in and I was like, oh, dang it, I should have held on to that one because I totally forgot. But um, the first one, it's Mysterio opening up a portal to another portal. universe, yep.
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and just exploring this whole new. See, I gave up on the universe or um, uh, the Ultimate Universe, um, probably about thirty issues in on Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I I didn't care for the Avengers or X-Men. I was never and just never really got to the Ultimate World. But I get why it's so successful for because for a younger generation, it was cleaning the slate. So, I understand the appeal.
4: Yeah. Well, like, reading this one, because um, uh, I was like, I remember when I heard about Miles Morales, and I picked up the first, like, trade of it, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Because I thought, like, they were going to make it kind of, I thought they are going to make kind of gimmicky and kind of, like, weird, and, like, not, he's not as cool as Parker or whatever. But I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Now, at first I thought, you know, when he first got his powers, I'm like, he's kind of a bitch, man. He's like, he doesn't... Like, he's like, I don't want to be Spider Man. I just want to go to this school that my parents took me in. But, like, you know, towards the end, he had to learn how to be Spider Man. So I thought that was. And they they do that in the Spider Verse movie, too. So that's. That's a. That's a. That was. I, I like that aspect of it. And then huh. reading the uh, actual uh, Spider Spider Man book. Yeah. It's like when they, meet, when they meet up for the first time, it's like. It, like, Parker gets transported into another dimension, and he's swinging, and he's thinking, oh, this is New York, okay, uh, but it's daytime now, it was night when I left. i like, okay, it was weird, I'll just go see what's going on. And all of a sudden, like, Miles appears out of nowhere, like, whoa, no way! I thought you were dead! Oh, Spidey's like, what? Yeah, which I didn't <laughs> know. I didn't know
0: what he was even talking about, because I knew Miles was brought into the universe, but I thought maybe it was because Spider-Man was missing, or or he retired, and you find out he's dead, I'm like, oh, he must be, oh no, that actually did happen, I, I don't know, do you remember what happened to him?
4: Oh, uh, well, in the uh, book, the Green Goblin kills him, he has a big fight with the Green Goblin, and he the Green Goblin shoots him, which, that's weird, because I'm like, he's got other like powers and hover glider and all that, Yeah. But whatever, he, he shoots and kills him dead. Huh. And Miles Morales witnesses this, and he's like, I could have done something to help him, because he's got his powers already. Like, I could have done something to help him. So,
0: How did he get his powers?
4: In the same incident? Uh, His uncle was the prowler. And his uncle broke into Oscorp and stole a whole bunch of like spiders for an experiment, because they're trying to figure out exactly... Because uh, Norman Osborn... He's trying to figure out exactly how Parker became Spider-Man from the uh, Spider-Bite. Because gotcha. he remembers getting bit by the spider or whatnot. Yeah. And the prowler is yeah. like, the expert thief, and he breaks in and takes some of the spiders. And then Miles goes to visit him one day, and then the spider bites him. But he has different powers, though. He has, like, the Venom Strike, and he can turn uh, invisible. Wow. I
0: did. Yeah, I know. I saw the strike part. So it's, it's interesting because... And it was a good choice to make him unique. Like, yes, he's Spider-Man, but he's a different type of Spider-Man to give you a little bit fresh flavor. And that's usually what they do when they replace an old hero with a new one. Um, You know, Connor Hawk was better than, uh, in my opinion, better than um, Oliver Queen. You know, we had Mm. Kyle as um, our generation's Green Lantern until Hal Jordan came back. And I always thought Hal was boring as hell. Uh, Wally West is a much better character than Barry Allen, who's a goody shoes, yeah, yeah, boring fuck. I can't, you can't believe that they keep bringing these guys back. But that's not something they really do in the D, uh, the Marvel Universe until just recently, like replacing Thor, Captain America. Yeah, and um, all that. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's interesting that they did that in the Ultimate Universe, but they kept it. It stuck. Because a lot of times they do these spin-offs, they just throw that universe away. Like, there was Spider-Girl in the, um, I want to call it M2 Universe, back in the 90s. Which uh, yeah. they kind of set aside. I thought they were going to do it at Miles, but it's nice to see it. They're keeping that going.
4: Yeah, yeah, man, it's really it's really cool. Uh, and you know, if you like, if you've seen the Spider Verse, like you haven't seen the Spider Verse movie, but like um, in the movie, it's kind of like they meet up kind of in the same way. Like Parker dies in a Spider Verse movie, but it's by a, it's not by the Green Goblin. Although they, although they fight. But for plot, plot concern, plot concern wise, by the Kingpin. Okay. The Kingpin, is the main villain in the actual movie. But okay. he doesn't appear in the Spider-Man book. I think he's referenced. Yeah. Well, this one is heavily
0: focused on Mysterio and Taskmaster, yeah. which I like that. And Prowler, they're bigger players in the Ultimate Universe sure. than they are in the regular Universe. Yeah. Uh, which they're the two characters. The thing about comics that it exhausts me is that they keep digging into characters we already know almost everything about. But all these like C and D level characters they barely touched, and they can beef them up, and make them more interesting. Which is what they've done with Taskmaster. He was a hell of a good villain.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. Taskmaster is one of those villains that you know from like standpoint if you're not a big comic fan you don't know a whole lot about but like if you are you're like oh yeah Ta- taskmaster is competent just as much as that mysterio in this book or you know ock ock or anybody else yeah like in the book it's like um like he knocks out like miles knocks out parker with the venom strike and then like he takes him to nick fury and nick fury knows that spider-man is dead and then he, like, makes all these questions, like, are you really Peter Parker? And then, like, yeah, and then what the heck is going on? I just saw another Spider-Man that I've never seen before.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they also explore the fact that it's his relationship is different in that universe, yes. you know, that, uh, if I'm correct that he's with Gwen, and then Mary Jane isn't really part of his world. Am I wrong?
4: I think, uh... No, I think you're right. Okay. I think in a uh, well, I think in the Ultimate Universe, like Gwen is still Gwen is around, and she was like Peter, one of Peter's like best friends, and they, she lived with uh, Aunt May. And then, you know, Miles has a relationship with that Gwen and Aunt May because of him seeing Spider-Man get killed and him having the same powers. Because like they know that uh, Parker was Spider-Man in that universe, and uh. And uh, the Spider-Man that comes from the Ultimate Dimension, he's married to Mary J. Okay. Oh, wait, no no, 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 I'm wrong. He's divorced. Okay,
0: married okay.
4: Him.
0: Yeah, it's, it was confusing it in the regular universe, too, because they keep coming back and they keep changing the universe. I'm like, you guys do the same bullshit that DC keeps doing. And I think that's why, <laughs> that's why it's unusual for me to read any newer comics, because it's all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. and I usually just go back and read some of the older stuff before all the reboot, reboot, reboot. And, um, I still don't understand why they don't just call them seasons. Avengers has relaunched so many times that I can't tell which number one's which. Why don't they just say season five, season six, you know, just do that.
4: Do it like TV shows.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can tell the difference between what's going on. You know, it's like, oh, S6, uh, F1, you know. Okay, great. And, um... I guess Spider-Man's had yet another reboot. or another, You know, like the way they did with Brand New Day about 10 years ago. They did it again. And it's just... It's irritating.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, they keep on re reissuing, re I think it's for uh, business... Mostly it's for business purposes. But also, I think it's to keep it, like, fresh.
0: Yeah, but I think it's insulting to the readers. Because they act like, Oh, well, we need to keep the new readers on. I'm like, what, well, do you think they have memories of, you know, uh, uh, a puppy? I mean, uh, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Spider Man number one is relaunched again um, What this November, and it says, uh, you know, G- Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales are in this universe. I, I can't tell if this is meant for kids. It's, yeah, it says record readers of all ages. So I think this is supposed to be outside of the normal universe that we know.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's outside of the normal universe. And then, like, they tie it in, some- they tie it in somewhere with Ultimate. And, uh, with, uh, whatever universe this Peter Parker's from. Right. Yeah, but like... Oh,
0: I see. No, no, this is weird. IDW signed a deal with Marvel to do the adventures, which are geared younger, like the way they did the Digest a couple years ago. So they licensed oh, okay. the rights to, they have, uh, Spider-Man's the first one, then they're, do- they're relaunching Sonic the Hedgehog, Star Wars Adventures... And then they have all the Disney stories going. Ooh, new DuckTales. Cool. Skylanders. I didn't know that was still a thing. New Ninja Turtles. My Little Pony. I don't understand the appeal of that. Okay, yeah. You know (laughs) what's funny? Oh, Dick Tracy. Holy shit, they got Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy? Yeah, they're relaunching it. And they have Star Trek. So this is interesting because, oh my god, they're doing the GoBots.
4: And it looks good. Holy crap. Yeah, where's Biker Mice, and Mars? Get that. In there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I want to see. Um, I want to see them finish uh, Pirates of Dark Water because that left a, a cliffhanger 25 years ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. So yeah, Spider-Man Two. Because um, they have a cliffhanger at the end after they beat Mysterio and they escape from Taskmaster, they're back mm-hmm. on. Um. His world. You know, I don't know what the Earth is referred to there, but you know the you know, Marvel universe that we know and love. And he says, click, click, click on the computer. And he's like, oh my God. And then, like, you, you don't know what it is. And apparently, it took five years to finish the story, which is ridiculous.
4: they gotta get it right.
0: It sounds and, like some Kevin Smith shit where he just got overwhelmed and he couldn't get back to it.
4: <laughs> yeah, like, and then, um, yeah, he's click, click, click on the computer and stuff. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, Uh, I won't spoil it for anybody who who, who, who hasn't read it, but it's basically, you know, the plot point of, oh, yeah, he finds out that there's basically other Spider-Men and other Spider-People. So that's kind of like, you know, building into the, like, Spider-Verse and all Uh that. You know what? Let's go Go ahead.
0: Let's go ahead. If you haven't read it, uh, stop listening here because we're going to continue because, I mean, how do we do – how do we discuss the second one without revealing the secret? And It's the fact that there's another Miles Morales – in his universe, and he's, yeah. he looks completely different, and his whole background is completely different, he's much older, which throws me off, because, yeah. you know, it's weird as Miles is only 15, or no, no, he was 13,
4: right? Yeah, he's 13. God, yeah, so he's young. 13. No.
0: What is he doing, doing superheroics? It's bonkers when children do this.
4: they <laughs> like, uh, he's barely a man, but like, I guess he could be Spider-Man, because 13 you're considered a
0: man, you yes. do it. Spider Team, the Amazing Spider Team would have been more appropriate, but he can't give away that. <laughs> but no, he's short though, right? See, how do you not get? Aw- uh, see, Spider Man got away with it because he was a little bit taller, and so you were never sure. And he would put on this bravado that he acted like a super confident adult when he was in the Spider Man costume, so people yeah. didn't expect. And Miles Morales, he's just a kid. He looks like a kid. How no one figures out like, like I- is this a? Is this just a short person? No. Oh, it's a child. I, I can't do this.
4: They're like, why is this little kid trying to save, trying to save me? But I'm like, hey. His voice is cracking as he's trying to stop. Him. Hey, guys! Guys,
0: help! <laughs> um, but it's cool because three-quarters oh. of the story seems to be focused on telling the story of Kingpin and Miles You know, going through prison and you know yeah. then going their separate ways and running the restaurant, and then his wife dies, and that becomes his journey now is to open up the universe again to find alternate reality versions of his wife.
4: Yeah, which is, uh and that's actually the basic plot of the uh, Spider-Verse movie, actually. Okay. Yeah, that's why the Kingpin wants to reopen the universes, to reunite himself with his wife and his kid. Oh, his kid.
0: Wow. That's an interesting take. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I don't go to the theaters anymore. I just got sick of it. Uh, Avengers is probably gonna be the last thing I see in the theater, <laughs> unless one moves really close. See, here's the thing: is I live in the capital, but for some reason, uh, a capital of Oregon, and there's no theater anywhere near me. It, it's, a, it's shocking. We don't have a, a proper library in this town. Um, I live in a like a. What do northern... you
4: guys fun? <laughs> Okay, Hold on.
0: Well, it's a northern suburb of Salem, so technically yes, we have movie theaters and a library in Salem. But I live in okay. Kaiser, which is on the northern end, and um, I am certain this is where all the mental patients and the ex-cons, because this is where all the prisons are and the <laughs> mental facilities, they all come to this neighborhood and live, because it's crazy and it's broke, and I kid you not, there is there is technically a library It's in the basement of this old white house, and um, that's by the police station, and it costs you twenty five dollars for an annual membership, and it's the size of my apartment, and it's ridiculous.
4: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, so there is one independent theater about I don't know four or five miles down the road, but they always show shit in this tiny little room. I'm like, I have a projector, I can just wait till it hits video in ninety days and just rent it here instead of going to the theater. <laughs> it's
4: like, well, see, I still go to I still go to the cinemas, yeah, because uh. You know, it was just uh, that was a big thing growing up. Like, you know, going to the movies and, like, seeing movies and all that. Because it was like, uh, it's a it's, it's time to go out and, you know, experience it. My little godson, he doesn't have that same experience. Because, you know, people stream shit now. You don't have to yeah. see anything.
0: Well, the difference also is nobody was on their phone back then. We didn't have portable sure. phones until, you know, like 15 years ago. So nobody took it into the phone, you know, into the theater. And, yes, people still talked. But it just seems now it's so distracting, and I do not understand why we're still showing so many trailers. I can go on YouTube, morons, and I don't want to sit through all these commercials, and I don't want to pay $10 for popcorn, and I don't want to negotiate when the best time to go pee is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is this a slow part? Oh, is this an uh, exposition? Is it necessary exposition? Oh, God, my kidneys hurt. <laughs> uh, and you come back, and then, like, five people are dead. You're like, son of a bitch, what the fuck happened? <laughs>
4: But well, I guess my my little guy he got it right now because uh yeah he's to cause uh, that kid has a small bladder like yeah. we saw God's blood he had to keep going up to go pee I'm pretty sure this old man gave us the finger as we oh <laughs> you know, no kept coming out <laughs> but uh we t- I took him see Spider Verse and he was like you know he held it in the whole time and I felt bad because like I was trying to stay with the end credits and he had to go pee. He's like, I've been having to pee since, since Yeah. this movie. You're like, hold
0: on, there's something special at the end here. But don't you feel terrible sometimes when you sit through all the credits, and it's usually boring credits, you know, nothing like where Guardians of the Galaxy was? You're like, this is 12 minutes of credits. There's got to be some sort of, like, thank you for sticking around at the end. And then there's nothing. It's just it's filmed in Georgia, you know, Marvel, and it's over with. You're like, but uh, you guys, I did... Uh,
4: I wasted so much time. Uh. We could have have got, got to the bar early. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Me so Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two. Yeah. Um, it just it's a really cool uh, way to tell the story, and I think maybe that's why it took so long because I think Bendis had to rethink how he was going to do it, and yeah. it ends up with him opening up that universe. A different one, it's not the Ultimate Universe, correct? It's a totally different thing where he opens it yeah, up and totally he... different one. Okay, and then he's just stuck there. But I think that whole thing gets erased with um, Secret War. So now is completely... Aren't all the universes combined into one? Am I wrong?
4: They, uh... I think they're trying to get to that point. Yeah, they're trying to combine them all into one. But, like... Yeah, I think it's gonna take a... It's gonna, it's gonna take a little while. But, uh... Yeah, they're trying to combine it all into one so it's not so confusing. Yeah,
0: okay. That's. I wonder if they're going to do a Spider-Man 3 or is Miles just now... Miles is completely part of the regular Mar- Marvel Universe, right? Yeah, he's just completely part of the regular Universe. That's so funny because it always seems like in the past, if you had one hero, you couldn't have two heroes that shared that identity. But there's multiple yeah. Green Lanterns, there's multiple Flashes, uh, there's a couple of Robins going around. And you know, and, and what we yeah, have. To...
4: but speaking of speaking of that, it's like um, Spider-Man, Deadpool. Yeah. And, uh, it's a new book. It's a book that I, I have, and Miles is actually make, it's a cameo in that book. Okay. Yeah, it, like because Parker is still there, but uh, Miles makes the cameo in that book. There's like the scene. It's like, uh. Cause Deadpool doesn't know that Parker and Spider Man are the same person, and but he knows that, but he knows like that they are connected somehow, and he thinks Parker's like a bad guy, so he's like has a hit to kill Parker. Oh he's no! Like, oh, I'm gonna need Spider Man to do it, and so he tries to get Spider Man's attention, but he grabs the but he grabs the wrong Spider Man. It's Miles instead of Parker.
0: Hmm. I'm actually shocked that series is still going. I wasn't sure that was going to last. I think it's past 50 issues now. And I yeah. remember <laughs> back in the day, what was enjoyable at Deadpool is the fact that he was compared or uh, uh, put with like characters that were the exact opposite, like him, like Cable and Deadpool went for a while. He did a special with Cable and Daredevil, which I really enjoyed. It seems kind of strange to put Deadpool and Spider-Man together because they're both... Jokesters, but one's out of his mind and one is completely grounded.
4: Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the appeal of it too, though, because it's like Spidey finds Deadpool annoying, but he <laughs> but has Deadpool. quips, whereas Cable never had any quips.
0: Never had any quips. God, what a boring character, Cable. I just don't understand that appeal. I watched Deadpool too and I enjoyed it, but I was just like, I I love Josh Brolin, but I don't care about this character.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean. Like Deadpool 2 was great, though. And, like, I don't have any Cable, Deadpool uh, comics, so I don't know how true that is to the yeah. actual movie or whatever.
0: Oh, no, I, but, I can't uh, remember either. It's has been so many years, it's
4: it's hard to remember. But, like, you know, like, some real fans, they're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a Lethal Weapon, like weapon team-up, where, you know, it's <laughs> like, Pool of Mel Gibson and <laughs> Cable is, like, Danny Glover, you know.
0: Yeah, I get that now. Yeah, if Danny Glover was more serious um, and, and, and uh, a, a murderer, just a murder. <laughs> straight up murderer. Straight up murderer. I walk True. around. I Whenever I'm too tired at work, I, I quote Danny Glover all the time I'm getting too old for this shit,
4: Riggs. <laughs> hey, you know what? I just saw, like, they're doing Bad Boys 3. Yeah, like, surprise, actually. They're 50 now. It's like, it's going to turn from bad boys to the
0: weapon. Like, oh, yeah. we
1: get too old this
4: shit. Man. Yeah, I can't imagine just, like,
0: they're going to have to get some stuntman, some CGI to plant their faces on younger stuntmen. Will Smith still <laughs> looks like he's in shape, but I don't know about Martin Lawrence. I haven't seen him in forever. Yeah, Martin Lawrence,
4: he kind ch- of oh, chunky
0: now, though. Yeah, like, well, he's going to have to get back in shape. Bad.
4: Maybe that'll be part of the plot
0: is that he's, like, retired, and they got to bring him back for one more adventure. Yep. All right. Yeah,
4: he's good. Yeah. I saw him live, and it was like, dude, we, we still, like, he looks kind of chunky, though.
0: Yeah. I remember he was one of the few guys still doing stand-up specials. Like, uh, he did, like, three or four of them, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a dead format now that Netflix has basically
4: taken that over. Yep. All yeah, right. He's touring uh, now, so. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, Let's see. Uh, MMJ Comedy Festival in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so all Fort Wayne, Indiana listeners and everybody in surrounding areas, and even people in Oregon, come down and visit us, April 11th to the 13th, Fort Wayne MMJ Comedy Festival, we have sketch artists, we have improv group, and we have a whole bunch of stand-ups doing their thing, so come check us out, April 11th to the 13th.
0: Somehow we got to get you to yeah. Oregon sometime. We, our comedy scene is growing very fast. We have a thing called Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And it, it's oh, just okay. it's, it's huge now. And it would be fun uh, if you could ever get into that. But, you know, obviously it costs a ton of money. And stand-up doesn't, you know, for most stand-ups, they have second, third jobs. You know, because comedy doesn't pay the bills. But I, yeah. I, I appreciate the effort. Always just going out there trying to make people laugh. Because it's a dark, messed up world and people are depressed. You put a smile on their oh, face. Yeah. Kudos to you.
4: Oh, yeah. Especially in Trump's America.
0: Yeah. yeah. Every episode, I like to slip that in because, uh, it's seriously, at this point, you're still sticking with them. You're a fucking fool. What is wrong with you? You either want people to be miserable because you're miserable, or you're a sociopath and you're just sick. Yep. Hey, how do we end that even better? Okay, uh, check us out on Facebook. <laughs> Send angry emails to <laughs> Retro Rocket Entertainment on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, Cameron, thank you very much, and hopefully next time it won't take as long. I keep promising uh, him to do an episode of Chew, and it's been about two years now, and I keep taking my sweet-ass time. I'm going to get around to it, buddy, and I-, I will do that episode.
4: Okay, I'm excited for
0: that one. Okay. All right, everybody, have a good night. See
4: you.
2: Okay, bye. I thought it did. My bad. Bye!
0: Everybody, it's back in tunes it is the 30th anniversary of roger rabbit we're going to discuss the film the animated shorts that came after it bonkers which was originally designed to be a roger rabbit tv show and woody woodpecker because a i don't know it's uh, we've been doing retro cartoons woody woodpecker is kind of connected to roger rabbit uh also that he's an annoying sidekick at times and a weird protagonist at other times so I, I thought it kind of fit in with the whole Roger Rabbit thing. Plus, we're just we've been like working our way up the timeline lately. So uh, I'm your host, Michael. Jacob's on the other side.
3: Hello, 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 everybody. How y'all doing today? Fantastic, awesome. I just ate a sandwich. It was amazing.
0: I <laughs> did too. Okay. And uh, sorry, the episode's late. Uh, I, I've been eating it for three weeks. It was a big sandwich. Uh, so yeah, this episode's <laughs> late.
3: <laughs> I know, it was a mega sandwich, okay? It's not something you can let go to waste. Yes, and honestly, it's,
0: it's – uh the new Subway is sandwiches that are the actual size
3: of a Subway train. <laughs> you get
0: the six-footer or the
3: 12-footer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. I mean, especially in the south, in Texas, that's uh where they make everything really, 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 really big. Like, yeah. really, really big, man, from Rocco's Modern Life.
0: They're like, oh, God, 12 feet, that ain't nothing, boy. That ain't nothing I can – I can make one the size of my house. You know how big my house is? Or oh, you could see it from a satellite from space.
3: Good God, man. My penis is small. <laughs> <laughs> Overall it's compensating those crazy Texans. Oh, ten no, ten I, I
0: gallons. This now. Ten gallons, man, I fit, I, have, I, have a, I have an ocean hat. I fit it and tie it up. the Pacific Ocean lives inside my hat.
3: Oh yeah. So that's why you keep your head that's why you keep so cool at times and Texas is blazing fucking hot.
0: Yeah. I, you know, Andrew lives down there. He, lives, he He's in a border town.
3: And oh, wow.
0: I can't imagine where it's like above 90 degrees, like 50 days a, a. year or something like that. I don't know. more Maybe more.
3: Oh, yeah. Ugh. It could be like that. I mean, shoot, Arizona or like Palm Springs, maybe. I can see SoCal. living there in the yep. winter. I can see, because I,
0: I hate winter. I hate all the rain we Vegas. get up here. Uh, You know, you guys have the perfect winter. When I lived there, I think I maybe spent uh, two weeks wearing uh, uh, the leather jacket and then maybe a month of wearing my hoodie. And then after that, it was just long sleeve shirts,
3: you know, for the whole winter. It was great. Hmm. You know, for some reason, it's cooler around here in Napa during the summertime. I don't get it. Yeah, you know, it's weird because I remember living
0: there and being like, May was like, peel your skin off hot. But then all of a sudden, July hit, and I was like, oh. Uh, did it actually drop about 10 degrees? I mean, still, 81, 85 is hot. But nowhere near, I mean, it's been brutal up here. Yeah. Oh, God.
3: You know what I just realized? You know, the 30th anniversary of Roger Rabbit? Yeah. I'm as old as it. I'm the same age as Roger Rabbit. Oh, I didn't realize. For some
0: reason, I thought you were born in 89. But you're right. You did just celebrate your 30th birthday. That's cool. Yeah, um, Yes. We have done Roger Rabbit on the show before, not you and I, me and um, Andrew, who fills in a couple times a year uh, when you get, like, kind of overwhelmed, and we do episodes usually about adults, uh, not Adult Swim, uh, um, about uh, Cartoon Network originals, and uh, for some weird reason we decided just out of nowhere just to do the Roger Rabbit. It's like his favorite movie, so I said, sure. Um, So you can listen to our version of that discussion, I think, from three years ago, and... um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to cover new ground with this episode, so I didn't feel like it was redundant. We usually don't go over the same thing again, unless I fuck up an episode like the infamous G.I. Joe and Transformers episode where we're, I was in a shitty hotel and the connection was terrible.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, that sucks.
0: <laughs> Which we had to record already... Because I did them at your house, and then somehow I unplugged the cord, and I didn't realize how my recorder doesn't actually store it the second you unplug it. Remember how many episodes we lost that way in the beginning? We lost like four or five, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch.
3: Oh, Michael, you goofball, I tell you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Roger Rabbit, um, me and my sister talk about this, uh, me and Andrew talk about this a lot on the Video Night podcast we do, uh, which is about movies. Uh, there was maybe a dozen infamous tapes that my grandfather would record off HBO for us. And we'd watch these movies maybe a hundred times. And I had Roger Rabbit, I think, with The Rescue. Disney's The Rescue, the one lost Disney movie. Actually, there's like three or four lost Disney movies. And I want to say, of all things, Rescurs? Rambo 3. Uh, no, The Rescue. Um, this, is, this is obscure. For some reason, Disney has decided that three movies I can remember offhand that were in theaters that they completely own. No, no, four. Okay. So, 1983's Trenchcoat, which they produced and released with Margot Kidder and Robert Hayes, only on VHS. It was a detective thrill adventure movie. Um... 1986 Offbeat with Judge Reinhold, where he is a actor who um, is in a play as a cop and then finds out that he's wearing his costume in a bank robbery. He saves the day, becomes a huge hero, and he decides that he is going to be part of the police force without actually graduating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one's pretty good. I've seen oh that one my. quite a few times. Uh, the Rescue is basically Iron Eagle. It really is. The parents get trapped uh, by the Russians or something like that over in... It's like the Russians and the Vietnamese or something like that. or No, no. South Korea, I believe. Not, which one's the bad ones? North Korea. I'm fucking this up. Um, yeah, North Korea. I believe it's the Russians in North Korea kidnap these military guys, and their kids go over to save them because the military is going to wash their hands of them. It's basically the Iron Eagle plot. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, uh-huh. It has Skippy from Family Ties and Kevin Dillon, and I think that's all I can remember. Uh, that one's still on VHS only. And the last one is Run with Patrick Dempsey, where he is a college kid taking a car um, over spring break. Sometimes they hire these people to deliver cars across the country. They'll just get some college kid to like, hey, we'll give you all the gas money, the hotel, whatever, and like $400 to drive this car from your college back to your hometown. And uh, so along the way, he stops at this little casino and it goes horribly wrong, and he ends up on the run. His car is destroyed, and, and the mob is after him. And it's really, really good. And it's never been beyond wow. Uh, wow. never been beyond VHS.
3: Well, damn! I mean, I'm about early uh, live-action Disney movies. One with Kurt Russell in particular, where he was like this uh, jock kid who came into contact with this computer and became super smart. But um, yeah, no, uh, Roger Rabbit, I. Oh, God, I had, like, no idea it was actually, like, a Disney property. I mean, they still have the ride up at Disneyland.
0: Yeah, I it's, it, Technically, it's Touchstone, it, but, you know, Touchstone is owned by Disney, but it wasn't a full-on Disney production, even though you could see it's... I don't understand what was going on with Disney during this era. It's like they're trying to just figure out who they were. The 80s were very, very rough for Disney, because if you look at their filmography, you know, we get, like, five movies a year from Disney, period. Uh, we may get more. We get, like, two animated movies, we get, like, a Star Wars, we get two Marvel. Actually, it's more than, Then they throw, like, another couple in there, like, um, what have we had this year? We had The Incredibles 2, Han Solo, Black Panther, Avengers
3: Infinity Uh, War, War.
0: Christopher Robin. Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, I heard that was pretty uh, successful. It's, like, almost made its budget. It was actually a lot cheaper than I thought it'd be. Yeah, probably like what, $70, $75 seventy, seventy-five
0: million? Um, actually, I think it was fifty. But that's what they usually do—a fifty to seventy-five million-dollar movie—they'll throw out in August. Um, and then, oh no, we had Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that's six so far this year, and it's only August, and we might be missing one. I feel like there's an animated movie we're missing. Um, but back it'll, then, it'll
3: probably come back to me.
0: Disney was in dire straits. They were only doing maybe two movies a year, and the third one was usually a re-release of an old movie, like Pinocchio or, or Snow White. You know, they did yeah. uh, the Black Hole one, it was a flop. They did Condor Man, it was a flop. Dragon Slayer, flop. Return to Oz, flop. Black Cauldron. Did I say Black Cauldron? I think I did. Um, no, I think you said something else. Oh, Black Hole. Uh, Black Cauldron was a flop. I think only thing that kept them going was, like, The Rescuers in 77. Uh, um, oh, Fox and the Hound in 1980. Uh, and then oh, and, it, What's that? In 89, they made
3: a comeback with uh, Little Mermaid.
0: Well, I think a lot of people forget, it, and I wanted to do this one, but we just didn't have the time. Was it's also the 30th anniversary of Oliver and Company, which I still have never seen. Um, and that, oh that actually really? did well. I think it cost them like 20 million dollars, and they made like 60 um, in America, which isn't like phenomenal, but it's solid. Um,
3: yeah. Oh, uh, and in 1982, they gave us Tron.
0: I forgot Tron, yeah. But that wasn't a huge hit. That was one that eventually broke even. And it, Disney was just kind of, like I said, lost. So they are discovering, like, hey, let's go open Whoa. Touchstone Pictures. Now, Touchstone Pictures was the one that saved their ass. Because their first movie, I believe, was uh, Splash. And that was a huge hit. And actually, I'm going to look it up right now. I want to see what their filmography was before Roger Rabbit. Because Roger Rabbit really gave them the bones to do like Little Mermaid and stuff like that, you know, really save their ass. Um, go ahead. Yeah, and
3: also you got to thank Robert Zemeckis and, of course, the cast and crew of that film, Christopher Lloyd, and even all the little cameos from uh, classic cartoons, which was like the only cl- uh, crossover we got from Looney Tunes and Disney.
0: <laughs> um, if you think about it. I was going
3: to oh, say yeah, Charles Fletcher. We well, you, you know Roger Rabbit.
0: you know that they weren't going to. Uh let Robert Zemeckis direct it at first because he, they, they, bought the, they bought the rights in 1980 and or 1981, right when the book came out. Oh. And um, they said that the two movies that he had done previously uh, used cars, which is fucking great with Kurt Russell. It's really, it's a, a hoot and um, I want to hold your hand were both bombs, but then he had the double whammy of doing uh, a Romancing the stone and back to the future and he was back in their good graces. Spielberg had been pushing for them for a while. Um, so, or not hit them, but Robert Zemeckis to do it. And uh, they're like, well, you know what? I'm glad he did. Spielberg, you know, he's like the king of film right now. And Robert Zemeckis is red hot. They did offer it to Terry Gilliam first. And he turned it down. And he said that was a huge regret.
3: Oh, God, yeah. No, it definitely was. I mean, considering how huge of a success, uh, success it was. Um, I'll try and, to I mean Yeah, correct. Well, considering, you know, Robert Zemeckis' track record, especially with the Back to the Future trilogy. Well, wait, no, this is before uh, Part 3 came out, right? It was
0: before Part 2. So, Roger Rabbit oh. took so long that while they were doing the animation, uh, he started working on Back to the Future 2 and 3 because it was going to take years. I mean, you, people forget how slow a hand-drawn animation was, and Richard Williams is the guy oh, who yes. did the animation, Richard Williams is kind of a legend. Um, to people who really know animation, he never really had a huge breakout hit, but he was always very, very good, and he was traditional style animation. So, um, right, you know, he's a classic Disney style, like the way that Don Bluth was. And um, you know, he had the Raggedy Ann and Andy special that was really um, well received. He did a couple of the Pink Panther intros, which are phenomenal. Once, once uh-huh. they, fr- they switched over of to Chris frizz- Freeling, and uh, I, I don't think they were as good. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Richard Williams is also... He's had a project called The Thief and the Cobbler, uh, which has gone under oh. different names. Y- and you've probably seen the edited... The what's, about the project? what's that?
3: What's that? project, right? Right.
0: I think some places it's called Arabian Nights. And yes, um, it is. there's uh, so many different versions of it, but he never got to finish it. It was taken away from him. He started working on it during the late 60s, <clears> I believe. The late 60s, and it didn't come out till 95... And he would he would take jobs like uh, the you know the Pink Panther and he would do commercials and stuff like that just to get enough money to keep doing the movie himself. And wow. I think eventually it just That's like dedication. Yeah, it is. And the problem is it was such fits and starts that he had to change his entire crew of animators sometimes. And then when oh, Miramax yeah. bought the rights for the American release, they chopped it up, they re-edited it and everything like that. And it's not as good. I'm gonna try to find you. We'll do a special episode sometime where we watch. As much as possible, the the cut that Richard Williams intended, he's still trying to do it the way he wants to. But, you know, it's just – I don't think it's ever going to happen.
3: Sadly, no, it is. It's a shame. Uh, Almost like with what happened with uh, Richard Donner's uh, Superman 2 cut.
0: Kind of, yeah. Well, at least he wasn't fired um, halfway through.
3: They still – Richard Williams' name is still on it. Oh, God, yes. Right. But also – again the quality of the animation in roger rabbit was i think just top-notch and oh, perfect yeah. plus it was blending with live action that yes. was a feat that's never been done and the way they did it oh my god uh, the final product made it look so you know simple and right it came um, out beautiful you know there was and over, there was
0: uh i want to say it was like 1946 or something like that anchors away with gene kelly and uh uh, Tom from the oh, Tom and Jerry cartoons. right. He does dance with it, but it's such a small uh, bit. I I could be wrong, but I think it's the first time where it was a fully integrated, hand-drawn animation mixed with humans because technically Tron also counts.
3: Exactly. And I was going to say, Tron is a I big... Think... Oh, Tron is something different entirely. Yeah. I mean, that was like, you know, huge blue screen, you know, uh, different sets. Oh, geez, that was... I don't know, that was a huge milestone and a huge step in the way of special effects uh, yeah. editing and everything. But, like, but it was... There's... It, the masterpiece. The thing Honestly. with Roger
0: Rabbit is that you're trying to take something real world, and you know, no, I mean, yes, it's 1940s, so it's a little artificial since it was 1988, but it's that that was tangible. Right. That was that was real sets. It was real people, and trying to make it all work and use the mm-hmm. lighting properly, you know, shadowing and stuff like that, and, and little gadgets. I still watch it today, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the scene where he's washing the dishes and Roger is underwater while they're I think they're handcuffed. And you know, I'm just like, how the yeah. fuck did they do this? This is crazy.
3: I know, it is. It's such an amazing sequence. I, I like, uh, sometimes, like, with uh, certain scenes in movies where they have, like, the motion capture suits, they film, uh, well, they're in the motion capture suits to film the animated part, and then they have the character or the actor dress up as the character uh, to, you know, really give a full sense of the, the full sense of the scene. Yeah. You know, to have it fully developed as you're shooting it.
0: Um, just real quickly here, I was going to look this up and I forgot. Um, so this is before Disney opened Hollywood Pictures, Hollywood Records, uh, before they bought Miramax and Dimension and all that stuff. This is when they first ventured out to do Touchstone. Now, this is, these are the movies that were successful that helped them get enough money for Who Framed Roger Rabbit because it was expensive. Uh, they did, like I said, Splash, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Ruthless People, The Color of Money, Outrageous Fortune. Ernest goes to camp. Adventures in babysitting. Stakeout. Can't Buy Me Love. Three Men and a Baby. Good Morning Vietnam. Shoot to Kill. And those are all really big movies.
3: Yeah, they are. Oh gosh, especially Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, my God, that was one of Robin Williams' best performances. And it gave us that and that tagline, Good Morning Vietnam.
0: Which Not you like? That. I uh, oh my God, I don't. Ugh, no. Uh, not because of the movie, because after that, every single fucking person decided that every time they had a microphone in front of them, they needed to go, good morning, whatever it was. And I was like, no, stop. Stop it right now.
3: I'll eat your face. <laughs> now <to> eat <laughs> your face. You know, sometimes I, I always say it like I always say this, like when I'm jokingly angry, I like I tell I let them know I get to a certain point where I do something insanely evil. Like I, I just I tell in a particular accent in a particular way. I tell people like, alright, that's it. I swear to god if this happens, I will I will punch a baby. I'll do it, damn it, I'll tell you.
0: Um and I'm sure people most people know this, but uh Roger Rabbit was there was a, there was test footage done years beforehand, um, where uh Paul Rubens voiced uh Roger Rabbit. Oh wow
3: <laughs> That's actually a pretty good fit, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, they, just, they just wanted to see if it was even possible to make. And that was test footage done years before they actually started production.
3: Hmm. Also, as far as it goes for Disney, uh, regarding animation, they actually do have like the voice actors dress up as their characters and perform their characters while the animators draw them. <laughs> That's got to be weird. That's just... Yeah. No, they did that with uh, Pinocchio. They did that with Alice in Wonderland. They did that oh, with... Oh, gotcha. Um, Rotoscoping. Pink yeah. Pan. Yeah, rotoscoping, okay. something like that. The, no, uh, no, it's pretty. Yeah, no, it well, it gives the anima- uh, animators uh, you know imagination, like what comes to mind as the actors perform their character. Yeah, no, it's, it's like early. It's like it's what uh, motion capture almost early days of motion, uh, motion capture with the birth of that concept.
0: You know, this um, uh, pretty much made Bob Hoskins a household name until sadly he passed away. I believe from Alzheimer's. Um... It is not called Old Timers, by the way. I hear people say Old Timers. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? Are you saying Old Timers? Uh It's Alzheimer's. Where do you hear the T? Yeah. No, 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 they're saying Old. You don't hear it. Yeah, Old Timers. And I was like, well, that might be a nickname for it, but that's not the medical term. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Morons, I tell you. Yeah, but before Bob Hoskins, they went to Harrison Ford, but they realized his price was way too high, which that would have been cool. I mean, I can't imagine it was that expensive. Uh, Bill Murray um, was considered, but they couldn't get to him because what I've heard about Bill Murray, the only way to even offer him a part is to offer it through a friend, a trusted friend.
3: Like Harold Ramis. Like if they got a hold of Harold Ramis, I'm sure it would have gotten him. Yeah.
0: So um, Eddie Murphy was offered it, and they—I uh, can't believe it. Oh, wow. Was Eddie Murphy less expensive than Harrison Ford by this time? I would think that he'd be red hot and unavailable. Uh, it's crazy. Oh,
3: wasn't he in the middle of uh, Beverly Hills Cop too?
0: Um, probably at this time. Well, you consider how long the animation took. Maybe it was barely those cop two, because I don't think that coming to America was. Yeah, Roger Rabbit was probably done filming by the time Coming to America went into production, so must have been barely those cop two. But it, it, it's almost irrelevant because he just didn't uh, want to do it. Um, he said he regrets that. Um, Chevy Chase was gone too. Robert Redford, Jack Nicholson, Sylvester Stallone. Wallace Sean. Oh, hold on a second, Wallace Sean? is that the guy from Princess Bride? Inconceivable! Yeah. It, it is, he was off, oh my god. It's Fasini,
3: um, <laughs> like, no, you keep using that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, Ed
0: Harris, I mean, Charles Grodin, I don't know who Don Lane is, uh, i never even heard of him before. Um, Ed Harris, Ed yeah. Harris, I don't know. That, that might have worked. Um, But I think Bob Hoskins really captures, especially the fact that he could let go enough, especially in one of the final scenes where um, he has to start singing the Looney Tunes song and being all goofy and making the weasels crack up till he
3: died. Yeah, making them laugh themselves to death (laughs) as the judge, Christopher Lloyd's character, as the judge, you know, uh, uh, (laughs) affluently mentioned. Are you insane? You keep laughing. You do you want to keep laughing until you die? Or shit. There's something along that line. How the line goes. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the movie. No, There's no, no a blue not,
0: that blue Your voice actually isn't too far off of I it. Mean, the only thing I can ever say is
3: Marty. Oh. <laughs> oh, roads where we're going, we won't need roads.
0: <laughs> can you get his oh, voice? A lot of
3: cocaine, Marty. I killed your brother, and he had a voice just like this! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I had no idea uh, that there was more than one short, because I remember watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and there was this Roger Rabbit short, and um, it was about, you know, baby swallowing a rattler and Rogers all over the place just, you know, practically killing himself just to save the freaking little baby Herman. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
3: And then, of course, at the end of the cartoon, you know, you know they wrap up production you know baby herman just goes off on a tangent what the heck was that roger and he's smoking a cigar and then you know jessica rabbit comes along you know talks to rogers be like oh honey can we go home and play patty cake now the um
0: which is i'm trying to remember all the movies that had appeared before i'm trying to find it here but i know i'm almost certain one showed before um a far off place i want to say one showed before honey i blew up the baby the rest i'm not so sure
3: about right yeah, again, the other shorts I didn't know of until you mentioned them, and I, get, uh, it, I swear, even though they were shorts, the quality of animation did like, not disappoint. It was still top-notch and mo- high movie quality.
0: Hey, I apologize. Oh, I have to go download some software. Sorry.
3: Oh, no, it's all good. I'll be back. Sorry, I had to do some paperwork. <laughs> no, no, that's perfectly fine. But again, uh, these shorts, they may have only been like what? five, six, seven minutes, maybe. Yeah. But again, the quality did not deteriorate. It was still top-notch animation quality, especially when it came, when it blended with the live action at the end of the sequence.
1: Because,
3: mm-hmm. you know, just like a regular uh, movie set, you know, it's like, you know, cut here. Oh, you ruined the film, you stupid rabbit. We have to do that all over again. <laughs> and then baby Herman, you know, smoking a cigar, walking away, knocking shit out because he's pissed. <laughs> I'm
0: going to try to find... I'm going to try to find where the cartoons, what movies they showed before. I, that's something I miss, is that that they used to do this all the time. Um, so, okay, so there's... Uh, that's weird. Oh, he does a cameo in Sporty Goofy and Soccer Mania. Um, Tummy Trouble, Roller Coaster Rabbit, and Trail Mix-Up. Okay, so there were only three. I thought there was five or six.
3: That's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I've only seen, like, what, Four.
0: Um, there had to have been more than that. I'm trying to look to see what movies they showed up before. Uh, excuse me, kids.
3: I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, you better get that checked out, my dear friend. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Uh, I...
0: <laughs> okay, so the movies were A Far Off Place, which was uh
3: the third one. Um. The camping one, yeah. The trail mix-up. There's well, that. Then there was
0: a. Uh, oh, roller Coaster Rabbit was before Dick Tracy. Could have swore there was one before who uh, who blew up the baby or something like that. But maybe I'm thinking of um, Honey
3: I Shrunk the Kids. Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, there was that one. It was. uh, okay. uh Baby we had an accident. Uh, the hospital one. That one.
1: I'll save you, baby.
0: <laughs> there was a video was game so of this. That was a spinoff called as a puzzle adventure game for the Amiga, which the computer system no one remembers called Hair Raising Havoc.
3: <laughs> what? Yeah. I I mean, well, I mean, knowing Roger, yeah, he does raise havoc.
1: But Tra- again, uh, there was actually yeah. a
3: game for it for Nintendo.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that memory. one I
3: remember. Oh yeah, and it still kind of tried to capture the music, and you had to hurry up and run away from the weasels, and you know, discover this and that. But oh god, I did not. I could not figure out how to freaking beat it ever. I was like how did my how do we do this as kids? I can't do this as an adult.
0: <laughs> Charles Fleischer, I don't know if you've ever seen him outside of Roger Rabbit, but he is one of the strangest comedians I've ever seen. I cannot figure out what angle he's going for in his stand up. It just makes me go uh what? And they, you know, scratch my head. I'm not laughing. I have no idea what he's trying to do, attempt, but he's he's out there, man.
3: I will say, oh gosh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, honestly, I look at his IMD profile photo, and he looks like a scarier ver- um, The one they use uh, is a scarier version of Danny Elfman. <laughs> it seems to me. He um,
0: he uh. did a Mark Marin uh, episode really early on, you know, when Mark Marin was searching for guests instead of them coming to him to promote whatever. And I remember just oh, yeah. sitting there just so frustrated because he wasn't talking about anything about his career. He wouldn't. And he just kind of went off on these weird tangents. And, and you can just hear Mark just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know what to do with you. I have no idea. Can I end this episode?
3: <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, as far as, like, voice acting goes, yeah, of course. He's pre- predominantly known for Roger Rabbit. Uh, but as far as that, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I knew him for.
0: Um. Yeah, I think he appeared in a few movies before that. But um, Christopher Lloyd is a big part of this. And uh, originally Tim Curry auditioned for his role. Um, They thought he was too scary to play. (laughs) Um, uh, What's his name? Inspector Doom or Judge Doom? Judge
3: Doom. Judge Doom, yeah.
0: Um, They also went to Christopher Lee. He turned it down. Uh, They uh, considered John Cleese, Roddy McDowell, which would have been awesome. Eddie Deason. Oh, Okay, what? And Sting.
3: Sting? Actually, I don't know. Sting could have probably pulled that off.
0: Maybe not that end sequence. Like, you got to be kind of crazy to pull off that last chunk.
3: Oh, yeah, the cartoonish bit. Yeah, no, you. Uh, Christopher Lloyd was perfect. I mean, do you, honestly, I think this is what set him up to play Fester. Yeah. I mean, all they had to do was just put uh, him, like, like, pat up his shoulders. That's all they had to do with Christopher Lloyd. <laughs>
0: oh, right here it says, uh, <clears throat> Disney and Spielberg went to Williams, which... Uh, he refused to work in Los Angeles, they said, um, he wasn't, he didn't really care for Disney either, and they said, look, you can work independently where you live, in England, and we would help distribute your uncompleted film The Thief and the Cobbler.
3: Oh, wow. Damn. Man, I wish the Mexican Spielberg did. Oh.
0: Yeah, I don't know how Miramax got their hands on it, that's kind of strange. I gotta look that up sometime. Um... Yeah, it took fourteen months to do the animation. That is crazy
3: long. A year? A year. Oh my god, a year! Right that is crazy. I mean, motion capture movies take a really long time, but for hand drawn stuff, yeah, that hurts. My gosh, it's like your wrist at the end of the day. I don't even want to pick up my food to eat. Feed me. I'm the... like a baby. Nom, 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 <laughs> Jessica Rabbit,
0: um, probably be oh my
3: God.
0: might be the pivotal moment for a lot of kids growing up as they realize, okay, I dig girls, and I think I like animated girls. Is that that's weird, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> really, really attracted to the animated. She, she was she was a gateway to tie.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see that actually. Um, did, you, did you? Is there truth to the rumors that they did sort of like subversive animation in there?
3: Honestly, no. I'd have to, if I watched it again, I might be able to point it out. I mean, like what Disney did with like uh, Lion King and Little Mermaid. Oh God, Little Mermaid, the f- gold penis, uh, Kingdom of Atlantis. Right, I and remember the, priest, the cover. Then, and the priest, then the priest during the marriage ceremony had a boner. Like, oh my God! Like what the hell? Uh, or uh, spelling out sex when uh, Simba like just. As an adult, like, flat on the top of the hill and all those flowers and petals uh, got swept up by the wind. Oh, my God. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know. Maybe some animators just having fun with it. Like, <laughs> watched them notice years later. And luckily they did. <laughs> Hold
0: the phone a mo. I didn't know this. In 1989, Spielberg approached, I shit you not, J.J. J. Abrams, who must have been, like, a freshman in college uh, who wrote an outline for a sequel but uh, they eventually abandoned the whole thing. They, they, they tried oh. uh, doing one called uh, the, Lo- the Toon Platoon. Oh, wow. Roger Rabbit, The Toon Platoon, set in 1941. Um, they were going to do tons of cameos. It was going to be set in World War II, and it didn't go. Um, who Discovered Roger Rabbit, I think, was supposed to be um, a prequel. So many names on this, and they tried to do I've seen the test footage for the uh, 3D CGI mix. You know, it's like 30 seconds worth of animation. And uh, oh, wow. that didn't go anywhere. They said the uh, budget was going to be over $100 million, which a Disney could poop out in five seconds if they wanted to.
3: Oh, God, yeah. These days, oh, for sure. I mean, again, like I said, the ride's still there. I, 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 and it's all, Of course, it's in the Toontown section where all the little kids go. But honestly, I mean, even as an adult, I'm like, get out of my way. I want on this ride. Move it, kid. Hey, you dropped your, you dropped your hat. Get out of my way. <laughs> I love it that much. <laughs> But anyway, oh, it would be something to see Roger Rabbit make a comeback. I mean, seriously, I mean, with, that, with the success of Spielberg still, and, and you know, again, as you said, Disney just, like, farting out money like it's nothing. Yeah. Like, they could easily make that movie. They can still make <clears throat> Tron 3, too. I know, seriously. There's, like, so many directors lined up to work on some of these projects, and yet Disney just wants to focus... Solely on Marvel and Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, I love them both, but does it really need that much focus with all of its success? No!
0: Well, it's obviously shown that people are tired of Star Wars. They should have done a movie once every two years. Marvel has a much bigger universe to explore, and, so that makes
3: sense. Well, as far as uh, being tired of Star Wars, I'm like, uh, as far as the spinoffs go, Maybe. Uh, Solo was really good. It was a lot better than Rogue One. Rogue One was not that great.
0: Yeah, I I hear people say that it's the best of the bunch. I still say Empire is the best of the bunch. Oh, yeah, it is. I I loved Last Jedi. I know a lot of people shit all over it, and I think in their head they have an idea. A lot of people think they have ownership over something
3: like this. I know, just because they've been fans for so long. Yeah, it's it's not not Uh, the same. They're the most toxic, and they're the loudest, but they're heavily outnumbered. Honestly, if what, you think about Well, it.
0: what's her face? Ruby Rose had to leave social media because apparently... She left
3: Twitter, yeah.
0: She wasn't lesbian enough somehow, even though I, she, What the, the hell does fuck, that even mean? Right? I don't know what the fuck that means. It's weird. Oh, James Bond can't be black. I'm like, he's a fictional character. He can be whatever fucking character... You know? I mean, what the hell?
3: I mean, Doctor... Hey, I don't see any complaints for fucking Doctor Who. Yeah, well... Doctor, okay, did they? There's I an explanation. Oh, Doctor Who could be whatever being they want to be. Yeah. You know? And he's, like, a billion different men throughout, like, every single, almost few seasons. And this time, all of a sudden, it's a woman. Oh, my God, no. Chill. Oof, this looks so bad. It to be a woman
0: They're talking about, you know, if they're going to do a Roger Rabbit 3, the script is done. Uh, Robert Zemeckis wants to do it, and Disney's not interested. Um... And they don't no, like Jessica Rabbit not. at all because they feel that she's too sexualized for their family audience. Oh, my um, God. But Robert Zemeckis has a terrible idea of doing a digital Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant would return in ghost form. Okay.
3: No, don't. That won't work. No. Yeah, don't do that. Just don't do
0: that. Uh, there are two other books. Uh, who plugged Roger Rabbit and who censored Roger Rabbit? I believe are the of the three the trilogy. Uh, Gary uh, K. Wolf. Now he. It's weird that he had so little success between um, 1981 and 1991. He did not write a single book. Um, I don't know if he was doing oh. something else, but uh, I'm sure he was counting his money
3: <laughs> from the Roger Rabbit success. Oh wow! Damn, I never knew about that. I didn't even know about books after that. I just knew about the shorts. That's all.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, fifty million dollar budget. Made three hundred twenty nine million worldwide. I almost read this book. I heard it was more adult, um, but I just for some reason I just never got around to doing it. Um, trying to look at what, what are the sequels named? Yeah, who plugged Roger Rabbit and um, who? No, I'm sure who? there was a third one.
3: <laughs> no, like God forbid, no. Like the movie starts off and it's Roger Rabbit's, you know, crime scene. He's, you know, his body, his dead body's been taped up. He's. They got the dip in him. <laughs> no, <laughs> and Jessica's a poor widow; she cannot move on.
0: Oh, here Broken. it is. I got it wrong.
3: Nellie uh, Valiant wants revenge.
0: Who censored Roger Rabbit was the first book, and like I said, it took a different turn. Uh, who plugged Roger Rabbit was in '91, and then the who whacked Roger Rabbit in 2013. Isn't who plugged and who whacked the same? I mean, is it the same plot? <laughs>
3: Pretty much, yeah. Like that, he's dead. Yeah, you know, he got plugged full. Of, he's got plugged full of holes. You know that's he's dead. He's been shot up. That's what it translates to. And who whacked Roger Rabbit? I mean, yeah, he's again dead. That was another term. It's the same fucking thing. Ugh. Wow. However, as it goes for um, Whoa. Roger Rabbit. Uh, I mean, what White, what
0: happened? Look at this. Gary K. Wolf sued Disney because they did not pay their full share of merchandising rights and gross receipts to him oh. he sued twice and failed twice they said uh, wolf what? said that Disney owed them set owed him seven million dollars which seriously is nothing money Disney's attorney not only disputed the claim but also said that wolf actually owed Disney five hundred thousand to a million because of an accounting error discovered in preparing for the lawsuit but wolf won the decision in July of 2005 receiving only four hundred thousand dollars in damage. Seven hundred million oh, or seven million down to four hundred thousand dollars.
3: That's a bunch of crap. No, he got screwed.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't even. Oh
3: God, Disney, you suck sometimes, man. I know. It's like not. It, they're, it's like they're not hurting for money. No, they no, they really aren't, especially now.
0: Roger Rabbit gave Honestly, them the money
3: to do things like
0: Rocketeer, you know, and and bigger budget films so they should be grateful for every... I mean, they're good now. They're more than solid on giving out that $7 million. They had to fight him, which, looking at court costs, it probably cost him most of that.
3: Sadly, yes. Mm.
0: All right, so Bonkers, Um, the animated series, um, originally designed to be a spinoff of Roger Rabbit, but the studios could not get together, and um, we have this weird amalgamation of something else.
3: (laughs) Exactly, like completely different. Uh, Like, uh, Bonkers was a bobcat, who was once an actor, but then got kicked out of Hollywood, so he ended up becoming a cop.
0: Yeah, so originally he was supposed to be Roger Rabbit, and hit. then uh, Eddie Valiant is uh, whoever the sheriff is, Detective
3: Lockheed? Oh, yeah, right? voiced, by, voiced by Jim Cummings as well.
0: Wait, wait, uh, Jim uh, Cummings did voice both
3: voices? voices? Yeah, again, no, who doesn't he voice? Wow. Oh, my God, yeah, seriously. He did, yeah, no, he did the two main characters, which were Bonkers and... Of course, uh, Detective, oh shoot, hold on, let me check. I keep forgetting his name. I, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. Detective Piquetel, Lucky, Detective Lucky. Then of course Earl Bowen was in it as well. Frank Welker, oh gosh, Frank Welker. He's everywhere, he's everywhere. <laughs> we don't even have to say who the characters he played are. Because he's, it, it's Frank Welker, that's it.
0: <laughs> uh, this was yeah, part well, of Raw Tunage. Um, which was kind of experimental. What was the, what was the one on Cartoon Network? Was it called Cartoon Cartoon, where they would try out new
3: cartoons? Yeah, Cartoon Cartoons. I remember that too fondly. Yeah, it was like a little uh, short block in between, or uh, at the end of an episode, right before the next one, uh, the new show, new show started. Uh huh. Oh God, you're right. It was a short. I remember now.
0: Well, it says here the had... the first short was shown before Three Ninjas, and then became uh, part of Raw Toonage, Then became its own series.
3: Oh wow, I did not know that. Oh man, but still, there were like a, a bunch of quirky characters. Like there was one in particular, uh, which was voiced by Frank Welker, which I think was his main character was uh, Fall Apart Rabbit. Like it, he's Bonkers' as friend. He helps out like on the cases, but. Again, he just easily falls apart like a crash test dummy. <laughs> <laughs> He's who? so fragile.
0: Crash test dummies had their own animated series on Fox for some un- uh, weird reason. I have no idea why.
3: Yeah, they did. Yeah, no, that was pretty That was pretty weird. Uh, no, who else you had in here? You also had uh, April Winchell, Carla DeVito, Sherry Lynn, and Ron Perlman as well. Oh, yeah, Ron Perlman. Nice. Sergeant Grading. That's who he played. But Again, uh, I liked how it did kind of interact with. What actually went on in the world of Disney, but as far as these crimes went, they try, they stayed away, they strayed away from all the uh, A-listers.
0: Trying to look through all these names, so many people. This, this is when Disney was so flush with TV money for the animated series. You know, this is when they did those syndicated blocks. Uh, I mean, I guess they'd already been doing that with uh, Ducktales and stuff like that, but this is when they really started going full bull. You know, this is before they started throwing all their shows on ABC. So it's kind of interesting to see. I don't think the quality of animation is good for Disney, but it's better than most of what was on television at that time.
3: Oh, of course. Uh, there were actually a few episodes where Goofy would appear. So, yeah, no, and uh, Mickey Mouse, like you know, the the top the top mascots for Disney. Yeah, but again, uh, uh, the quality animate of uh, the animation was very spot on, and sometimes. Like unless you were familiar with Jim Cummings' work, you wouldn't couldn't be able to uh, you couldn't tell that he was bonkers and uh, lucky at the same time. And it did spawn a Sega video game, which I owned. I feel like all
0: these shows spawned a Sega game, not so much Nintendo. It seems like Sega would pretty much put out a game for any sort of licensed material, which is I think kind of why I'm more fond of Genesis. Plus, they had amazing sports games. But I always loved that they're like, okay, this niche movie has a video game, like Demolition Man, Universal Soldier. Judge Dredd. You know all these great, excuse me, uh, great movies um, that uh, you know had a niche audience would have a video game.
3: Oh yeah, of course, because they figured you know kids look at it and they're like, oh that looks so cool, I want to, I want to, I want to watch this movie, and it's like, oh I wish they made a game of it. Well guess what they did. Huh. But yeah, no, Sega Genesis would definitely get like more attention than Super Nintendo would. I mean there was like a, a, a Judge Dredd released for uh, Super Nintendo. There was same with Demolition Man and all that. Except Super Nintendo wanted to push out more of the fun, cartoony, you know.
0: Yeah, whereas like the Genesis, uh, do, you, do you remember the Batman Forever game where they did that weird mo-cap the way Mortal Kombat was?
3: Yeah. That was I was it,
0: actually. That was strange.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, it was for Super Nintendo as well, but again, they, again, they really pushed it out for the Genesis. Anyway, uh, Bonkers, I think, went on for like, what, how many years? Like Four seasons. Three, four years? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it was quite a success.
0: Which I would say for the Disney shows at that time, that's probably more successful than usual. Usually their shows would last maybe two, possibly three. Most animated shows only last like three or four seasons, just enough to loop it for especially the syndicated ones. Um, there is a cameo in one of the Bonkers episodes, um, a character called Marsupalami who had his own TV show. And I don't know, if, I've never heard of Marsupalami, but I know somebody on Facebook that I'm friends with that is insane about this show. I've never seen Bonkers until just recently. I've never even seen anything of Marsupalami.
3: Uh, I'm uh, like that chuckle. I wasn't sure what else to say about Marsupalami. I don't even, I can't remember. I can't say I remember Marsupalami at all.
0: Raw Tunage actually was on um, CBS. I could have swore it was all uh, syndicated. Huh? Yeah, I don't remember being on CBS at all. It's supposed to be right before they made their deal with ABC, and then eventually bought ABC.
3: Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably how it went down. Uh, again, yeah. As a kid growing up and watching Saturday morning cartoons, Dad, yeah, there would be multiple networks that had like a little cartoon block. You know, to try to get more, you know, a, more of a bigger child uh, audience. Yeah. But yeah, no, Bonkers, I always thought was on like uh, the actual Disney Channel. I'm sure later it was.
0: Did. I'm sure later it was packaged up and thrown at Disney. I mean, that's kind of what they did, is that they would just take the old stuff and put it on, and it would just last
2: forever, forever, forever. forever.
3: <laughs> Again, I, the way they, like, uh, solved mysteries and, you know, dealt with the bad guys, you know, there was, like, no hold, no holes barred. Like, heck, even in the first episode, you see Lucky and Bonkers stuck in, a, like, a pipe, and they even have, like, tunes bringing out those special, like, you know, tuned gadgets to get them out of that situation. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, as soon as they're out of the pipe, all of a sudden, uh, (laughs) freaking Fall Apart Rabbit's there with a pizza. And Bob was like, well, yeah, no, I needed my friend on here. And plus, (laughs) I was hankering for for pizza. And then uh, since Lucky came into contact with them for so long, all of a sudden, uh, he's getting... the tune symptom a tuning symptoms where he's slowly acting like a tune being all funny and slapstick and Roger Rabbit like like what the hell <laughs> uh, it is oh uh, gosh it's pretty strange it was a very fun concept though you know the blending of like actual human characters and these actual tunes yeah yeah even though everybody's animated and I think that's what the best thing about it being animated was the freedom of that
0: uh, for some reason um, I'm trying to find this okay um uh, I was I was gonna move on to Woody Woodpecker, but do you have anything else to say before uh, we move on
3: about bonkers? Well, if just well, if anything, if, uh, I'm expecting it to come back once Disney comes up with their own streaming service. I'm expecting a lot of their old shows, especially DuckTales. Nice.
0: But also, I want them to create some new stuff. Um, you know, from their old like the way they yeah, like you said with DuckTales, it'd be nice if they made new episodes of classic TV shows. I would
3: love to see Rescue Rangers again or Darkwing Duck. Oh, yes. Oh, Darkwing Duck actually had a little appearance in uh, the new DuckTales. Oh, good, good, good. I think good. it was. Yeah, they did show Darkwing Duck for like a second. It was like a TV oh, show. That, okay, uh, that's what he, I thought. Yeah, I heard that from someone else, that it showed up on a TV show. Yeah, that's what it was. And Launchpad's like, oh, my God. This was like one of the coolest things ever when I was a kid. Huh. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of introducing the new generation to it. Good. They uh, need to know about it. All right. So with Uh-oh. Woody
0: Woodpecker um... – this is one of those, I think, in the middle of the road kind of cartoons. It wasn't as good as MGM or Looney Tunes or Disney, but it was better than, like, uh, the, um, the Lance. Not the Lance. This is the Lance stuff. Um, I, I fucking forget already. The Fleischer's after they became famous studios. Uh, Terry Tunes, which were bottom of the barrel. Uh, they weren't oh, as weird oh. and independent-minded as the U.P.A., uh, Woody Woodpecker was always satisfying, decent level of budget, decent level of animation, funny without being groundbreaking funny. You know, they didn't really do anything new. It was just very like it was like comfort food, like a big nice bowl of soup.
3: Oh yeah, or just like you know a hot like you know or just like a, you know a nice hot sandwich. Yeah, it's just simple as that.
0: Comfort food like is what it
3: cheap. is.
0: The um, exactly. I hadn't seen Woody Woodpecker in forever, and I really didn't experience a lot of it when I was a kid. By the time that I was a kid, it pretty much went off the air. In the 90s, they brought it back for a big Woody Woodpecker show, and then the rest of the characters would come in. Did you ever get to see that one? I think it was on Fox.
3: That was the one I think I grew up watching. That's how I knew of Woody Woodpecker before I got – I knew about the classics they introduced – you introduced me to Yeah.
0: Um, With that, they had – here's the thing is that Walter Lance had so many cartoons, but only people really know are the Woody Woodpecker ones. He did 196 Woody Woodpecker cartoons from 1940 to 1972. That is impressive. Oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, the second most popular was Chilly Willy, and I think a lot of people know Chilly Willy because he's still a mascot you see on certain things. Also, those cartoons are very good, especially since Tex Avery did a few of those.
3: Hmm. Well, yeah, looking back on like some of the uh, animation style of Woody Woodpecker, you could tell it was Tex Avery.
0: I have a weird comfort for the end era, like the last decade of Woody Woodpecker cartoons. I know they're not very funny. I know the animation is very simplified, but there's something about it I connect to emotionally. And I remember going to see, I want to say I got this right. Uh, There was a drive-in theater in my hometown in Indiana. Um, And they showed um, American Outlaws and Ghosts of Mars. And they showed Chili Con Corny. Uh, the very last Woody Woodpecker cartoon ever on 35mm print, and I wanted to cry. I was so happy.
3: Oh, wow, really? Yeah, it was great. <clears throat> hmm. Man, I know. It's like something that nostalgic that really gets to you, and you're like, oh.
0: Well, <laughs> it's also the joy of the old style. I kind of wish the drive-ins still existed, but they would show old movies. You know, Not all the time. I know the bread and butter comes, because we have one not too far away from us. Um, that shows new movies, but it would be kind of cool if a couple times during the summer they would show some big, epic, classic, you know, like, How the West Was Won, The Pink Panther, you know, Mad, 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 Mad World, and then show cartoons before it.
3: Around the World in 80s days. Yeah. You know, yeah, something like that. The Great it's Race. It's very few. Yeah. There's only, like, very few drive-in theaters, uh, you know, in uh, continuation today. Right. Like, like uh, sometimes, even my friends, like, when they would actually go out to them, I think in a Concord, and uh, that's how I ended up like seeing uh, Incredibles two or something. Like it was, it would be like a brand new release.
0: I'm, but, I'm curious. At the peak, I wonder how many drive in theaters there were. So I want to say it was right. almost in the thousands, but now there's probably, I think, like 120. Um, but go ahead and talk while I look this up.
3: Well, no, of course. I mean, well, during the 50s, you know, everybody was so fascinated with being in a new car because everybody was able to get one uh, a lot easier, especially more so than today. Yeah. And, you know, people would just do everything in their cars, you know. They just wanted to chill, eat, relax, just like with the, um, what, like the little uh, Sonic drive-ins, you know, something like that. Like, people would go to their car, and then people would bring uh, the tray out to them, you know, on the roller skates and all that. And, yeah, because there was a huge part of the, it's become a huge part of, like, teenage culture. Okay, so by... And then I, now drive-ins.
0: Yeah, I mean, we went to one all... We had that two the of them in Port Wayne that I would go to all the time, but I'm looking at this now... Uh-huh. At its peak in 1962, there were 4,000 drive-ins.
3: Whoa. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, oh, man. It says here that as of 2014, there are 340 drive-ins still left in America. In 2014, the burger chain Johnny Rockets announced it would team up with USA Drive-ins to open 200 drive-ins by 2018, serving Johnny Rockets foods at the concession stands. I don't know if that ever even
3: actually happened. I don't either, but John, I do like Johnny Rockets. So I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I'm going
0: to look this up right now.
3: Uh, uh, I will say, however, uh, I have seen one movie as a kid, and a drive-in. That was Batman Returns. I remember my parents taking me uh, late at night uh, when we went to go see it. And I was like, Mom, what are we doing? And it's like, Jacob, we're going to watch a movie. And I was like, really? Because I don't know. Because I'm only a little kid. I don't know what the hell drive-ins are. I'm confused. Like My parents uh, surprised me by just taking me to see Batman Returns, and i of course, I was a little kid. I loved Batman. Batman was my shit and always has been. But, again, uh, knowing that there's still drive-ins and, as you mentioned, like, med- uh, playing, like, old classic cartoons, I really wish they would do something like that. They should do – they should keep doing that. They should play, like, Looney Tunes shorts, the original Disney shorts, Woody Woodpecker, as you Or mentioned. come up with new shorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be a hell of a thing, you know. Just get some, like, independent animators, uh, like, from within the area. Have them come up with something new. That'd be pretty fun. Um, I don't. I
0: don't think this movie theater thing is going to happen. It looks like some company in Dubai might own all of Johnny Rockets, and it's not of their interest. Because as far as I can tell, I haven't seen a single theater open up with Johnny Rockets, which is a bummer. I really hope that happened.
3: Oh right, no. I mean, because I want some Johnny Rockets, I, or I want like, you know, something else <clears throat> from. From the drive in rather than just like a hot dog or like a really cheap small pizza. Yeah. Or, or, although I'm not going to lie, the Napa Theater here, they have some pretty good nachos and they serve beer and wine. Yeah, that's what it is now. I think
0: that's that's kind of the high end thing now is the movie theater escape where we have like one major theater here where it's just like it's a a bar theater. You know, there's no typical uh, concessions area. Oh, okay. All right, so back to Woody the Becker. what a Um So this is one of these studios that kind of struggled for a long time. Uh, he was with United Artists, and there was a lot of financial problems. Uh, he was with, um, I think, Paramount for a brief moment, but then he went down to a very small staff, redid everything, and went over to Universal. Now Universal owns all of it. When Lance died, he ended up owning, uh, ended up selling all the rights to uh, Universal. So anybody in control of the franchise, you know, over at Universal. Do better than that stupid movie you did last year. If you don't know, there was a Woody Woodpecker movie released last year. I think it was made for like $10 million down in Mexico. No cast. It's okay. It's just nowhere nearly as good as it should be. And uh, you can find it on Netflix. They sold it to him for like a million bucks. So.
3: Oh, yeah, I know. That's where I ended up watching it was on Netflix. I was like, oh, well, Woody's still Woody. But, yep. It, again, this could be much better. But it
0: doesn't it feel like it's just kind of like if there was a Woody Woodpecker series, this that would be part like 5 when it's kind of ended, you know, freshness.
3: <laughs> right. Oh man. Again, uh there should at least be like some kind of animation museum aside from like what they have like the Walt Disney Museum in San Francisco or
0: yeah, or just, not just oh, exhibits, like that... you know, a real, full-on animated studio to respect. Not just the past, but just, like, you know, eras that we don't even talk about much. The 70s, you know, uh, some of the early 80s stuff. I know a lot of the animation quality wasn't fantastic during this time period, but it's still crucial stuff created. Don't tell me that Scooby-Doo wasn't extremely influential and important.
3: Oh, God, no. Or Flintstones, or Jetsons, or... Well, no, not Jabberjaw or Fang Face. No. Fuck but the Addams Family. No.
0: Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot out there. I'm, by the way, I'm a excited. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, yeah, you watch Speed Buggy all the time. Um, there uh, There's going to be an animated uh
3: Adams Family movie, which I'm excited about. Oh, I know. I saw the style of it. My God, it captures the original designs. It's amazing. And Oscar Isaac uh, is going to be the voice of Gomez. Nice. And we've got Charlize Theron as Morticia. Okay, Honestly? that makes sense, yeah. I was thinking either Charlize Theron or Ava Green. But Oscar Isaac was my number one choice for Gomez, even in live action. Like, dude, he could pull it off beautifully. Um, In
0: 1955, director Paul Smith, Paul J. Smith, uh, took over. Um, I think he really streamlined the look. It's the classic look that I know now of Woody Woodpecker. It made him a lot cuter, because I don't know if you people remember, Woody Woodpecker was ugly as shit in the beginning. And they would continuously evolve his look. And by 1955, when Paul Smith took over, he cemented uh, the look that you knew for the next two decades. And it, even now, he still looks kind of the same. Um, that's, the, And he also cleaned up a lot of the background stuff, changed the style of the characters to look more like um, UPA and uh, Tex Avery style, which uh, very simplified but
3: stylistic look. Oh, wow. know, definitely. It did for sure. Uh, again for me uh going when you first introduced the original mgm um and uh, tex avery styles i was so used to the 90s one you know it was like a lot more smoother and a lot more polished
1: uh-huh.
3: and his eyes weren't as uh, again his eyes weren't as like big or as round they were just like a little bit more uh closed in and uh oval
0: yeah and also they changed the character in the, in the first couple decades he was kind of an antagonist Whereas by the 60s, he was the protagonist. It's kind of like the switch they made with, um, like, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. But Daffy Duck's weird because he would go, based on what cartoon it was, he would be the protagonist. But the best thing about Daffy Duck is even when he was a protagonist, he was usually kind of a dope. And the jokes came from his, like, uh, hubris. Oh, wow. But like, what's, what's a Robin Hood one that's so good? Where he's like, and he falls right off the cliff, and, and uh, Porky Pig is just laughing and laughing at him.
3: <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, no matter what uh, serious or heroic role Daffy Duck would be, he would always mess up. Especially when he was Duck Dodgers. <laughs> yes, yes, which we're going to discuss Duck in a future Dodgers episode. Duck Dodgers the 23rd and a half century! I like
0: uh, the, the Sherlock Holmes one that he did where he's taking on the Shropshire Slasher and he just gets his ass beat constantly because his mouth is bigger than his body. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) Oh, man. Again, it almost seems like Daffy, even with Quackbusters, he can never come out on top. No. Like, no matter what, it's just not fair to him. There's just got to be... You know what? Make that the premise of uh, of a Looney Tunes movie. Warner Brothers, get back into animation. You had great success with Teen Titans Go!, use that success, put it towards a new Looney Tunes movie and have it to where, you know, it's kind of a real-life situation. You know, Daffy Duck's kind of, like, depressed and upset now. He's, like, even talking to Woody Woodpecker and all these other guys who, like, kind of lost their fame. And then Bugs Bunny is still, like, high-rolling, and he comes in to visit Daffy, you know, to help him out. He sees him in the songs, It's like, look, come on, let's just do this one gig, and that'll be it. You'll be set for life. You'll be on top now, man. It's going to be about you. Uh... And then later on, And then later on down the line, Bugs Bunny tries to double-cross him, and then he (laughs) ends up screwing himself over. A lot of of these companies are really ignoring
0: their classic characters. They're like, oh, kids don't know who they are. Make them know who they are, you stupid Um, bubbleheads. Woody Woodpecker. Oh, what they did with DC Comics. Yeah, right? Um, Um, But, like, okay, so Universal owns Woody Woodpecker, and they've sporadically put him out there. They even tried, like, rebooting it with uh, new collections on DVD. And it didn't really take. They only did two collections, which were really early on, which are not my premier years. I, I don't really like the early sex, uh, segments, even though those are the ones that were nominated for Oscars. And, you know, they're ones that are more critically acclaimed. Um, by the time he hit the 60s, I think a lot of people are just, like, done with Woody Woodpecker. What kept him alive was TV shows. Um, you know, repackaging the old series of shorts with uh, wraparound segments.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and they would do this a lot of shows. Yeah. The Pink Panther show did this, you know, we, the Looney, uh, sorry, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show, which was on for like thirty years on ABC, and just repackaging. Wow. And they're just they look so good. It doesn't it doesn't age the same way that normal cartoons do.
3: No, not at all. Honestly, uh, when it came to, uh... oh gosh, you were mentioning, uh... shoot, you were going down the list. There's Looney Tunes, Woody Woodpecker, repackaging and reshowing them. Ah. Oh. Where'd your brain go? What happened? <laughs> I don't know. It's like you were mentioning that list. I was about to say uh, one of the selections you mentioned, uh, not uh, Ro- uh, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner.
0: Oh, Pink Panther. But, hmm. I said Pink Panther as well.
3: Yes, Pink Panther. Oh gosh, even that had a new show uh, syndication uh, in the nineties.
0: Yeah, uh, Pink Panther and Sons, I believe, was one of them. And then yeah, there's two or three repackages of those. There's still an audience for them. It's just you know the studios don't want to explore it. Yeah,
3: again, uh, just like with Disney, they just want to focus on the franchise that they know will make them a shitload of money. Right? Isn't
0: it? Am uh, I wrong in thinking that Universal and Netflix are doing a Fast and the Furious animated series, which is insane to me? Like, why would you even do this? Uh, could you go well, look into your catalog of the Woody Woodpecker and make something good out of that?
3: Exactly. I know. It's like introduce it to like the new generation of kids. You know, this will some. This will also be some fun for the adults. It's like, oh my god, hey, look, this is what I used to watch. And then uh, the kids will get into it, look
0: into it. Yeah, Woody Woodpecker is still phenomenally popular in Brazil, where he's called Pico Pau. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: actually kind of a cool name. Pico Pau. <laughs> it's like it's like when he's about to do like this super energy flaming fist from like yeah. Dragon Ball Z or something.
0: Pico um, Pau. Well, I think there's three little notes I want to say about Woody Woodpecker, which I think is interesting, is that he had a phenomenal hit song, uh, Did the Woody Woodpecker. You know, um, it was a top 40 hit. And uh, that his oh, wow. wife did the voice, and they wouldn't let anybody know that a girl did the voice because boys would be turned off because back then I guess boys were sexist or something. And Billy oh, West yeah. took over for the voice of Woody in the nineties.
3: Oh wow, no wonder why he sounded so familiar. Jeez, I was like, God, who did his voice? And lo and behold, the great Billy West, who had done Doug, who had been on, who had done Rin and Stimpy. You know Futurama. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Seriously, like I, it doesn't matter. Like you, can't, you don't have to list his characters because he'd done like almost every character on that show that a show that he's involved in. I, I
0: um I forgot that I played one of his video games. There hasn't been a whole lot of video games. Um, looks like a lot of them are made for Brazil. Uh, the Genesis, by the way, was phenomenally popular in Brazil. Like it went way beyond what it did in America. I think in America the Genesis was dead probably by '97 and it just kept going and going and going They kept making games for it. But there is a, uh, a game in 1996, Forty Woodpecker. Uh, there was one for the 3DO, which no one remembers that game system. There was one, a racing game for PlayStation. Uh, one for the game... Wait, what's a GBC? GBC, what the fuck's that? Game Boy Color. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, and the PS2, and um, there's one for the GameCube called Theme Parks Adventure, which was Universal Studios kind of giveaway oh. game. The one I played was... Uh, Woody Woodpecker in Crazy Castle Five, which I'm curious. I didn't realize that there was other Crazy Castles. I don't recall it being called Crazy Castle though, here in America.
3: Right. I was like, wait, where were the other four Crazy Castles?
0: Oh, this what links it back to our first thing we discussed. The very first one was for Roof Frame Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's very
3: peculiar. Deborah, no. Oh ah. <laughs> I didn't know that was the
0: cave about me in that time. Um, this is weird. I'm not sure I even understand this. So it looks like the first one was called. Okay, this is confusing as hell. In America, it was called Roger Rabbit. But in America, it was called the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle, which I remember that. And then there was Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle Two, which was actually Mickey Mouse in Japan. Uh, then part Ooh. three was called Mickey Mouse in Japan, but the four it was, in America it was called Kid Clown. In Nightmare World. Okay, that's just a jumble of words. That's that's nothing. What? Okay, so the fourth one was Mickey Mouse, the real Ghostbusters in America, and uh, Garfield Labyrinth over in uh, the UK. This is messed up, dude. I don't know how we got to part five yet. Um, Okay, so somehow Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 3 is still Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 3 in America. There's a Crazy Castle 4 with Bugs Bunny. Then... We finally get to Woody, Woody Woodpecker, Crazy Castle Five. I'm exhausted now.
3: Right, me too. I'm just thinking. Wait, why were the characters constantly changing?
0: I like, do. Okay, uh,
3: no. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. They don't want to do. They don't want to go through another Crazy Castle. Give it to this guy. Okay. No, I don't want to do part three. Give it to that guy. Okay. I haven't done anything lately. Well, <laughs> then give it to this guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my God, that was exhausting. Walter Lance sadly passed away in 1980, leaving behind a legacy of, I think, not very respected cartoons, but you look at, everybody knows who Woody Woodpecker is, and that he is a legacy character that uh, just, I, I just feel like is lost now, and it's it's kind of a shame.
3: It is. He'll never be truly lost, because if kids end up watching that Woody Woodpecker Netflix movie, then they'll be like, Hey, Dad, you, have you watched this before? I'm like, no but I watched the cartoons really there were cartoons yeah here I'll show you yeah that's and how you spread then, it to hopefully. the next generation man I know and I think it's definitely it's up to us now to show all the little kids heck even when I'm uh, like at work sometimes you know when some of my employees like have their kids with them right before they leave uh-huh. uh huh. I even like like I babysit for like a minute and I'm showing them stuff like Tiny Toon Adventures I'm showing them here's uh,
0: Texas Chainsaw
3: Massacre <laughs> No, not yet, not yet. I'm waiting. Friday the 13th. This
0: is when the teenagers had premarital sex,
3: and now they're gonna die. <laughs> Lesson learned. No. Well, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna show. Well, no, I'm gonna show. Well, when it comes to that, I'm gonna show them Halloween, because pretty much what Halloween was the symbolism of uh, death of innocence. So I'm like, okay, this is what happens. <laughs> you know, being a teenager. You know, you pretty much your innocence died, and then you grow up. And then you're responsible. And you have to do all this stuff. Scary, isn't it? <laughs> all right. So but I think... anyway, no. I've shown them, uh, Yeah. What I, would, what I have shown them was uh, Tiny Twin Adventures. I've shown them uh, DuckTales. Oh, my God. They got a kick out of the DuckTales theme song. They're, like, so happy. And then I started showing them. Uh, next time I think I'm going to show them is Peter Pan and the Pirates. Oh, nice. Uh, how about oh, yeah, Pirates of Darkwater
0: and let them get so excited, then show the last episode. Like, wait. To be continued, we hate you.
3: Yeah, exactly, when they get older enough to remember it.
0: (laughs) I always think that Uh, we're not going to make it to an hour. We're well beyond an hour. I can't believe that. But, hey, it was fun to talk about it. Um, We're going to take a brief break um, from our retro stuff because it's back to school. And um, there's four or five animated TV shows that have to do with college and high school that I want Jacob to see because I don't think he's seen any of them. And, uh, like, Galaxy High, uh, The Undergrads... Um, I had it written down. I didn't look. Uh, there's there's some though. I will go through Clone them. Clone High. Clone High, thank you. That was the other one. And then there's one. I uh, dang it, it's from uh, Brian Posehn was the main character. Um, like Apartment 2E or something like that. I can't remember. I'll I'll look it up later. But um, that's the, what we're gonna discuss next. And then we'll go back into retro cartoons and work our way through the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, and up to now.
3: Yeah, everything you know and love, we're probably gonna butcher it for you too. Yeah. Or make you love it even more. Hey, who knows? With my crazy ass, who yeah. knows where we'll be going.
0: All right, everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. You'll find all our podcasts there, as well as our spinoff show. Uh, well, it's sort of a spinoff show, Comics on Infinite Earths, where we discuss uh, comic books and all what's going on in the world, and we discuss certain series, arcs, and stuff like that. And, uh, Jacob,
3: send us out. All right. As I would say, you know, namaste and good luck. Michael...